Because that's the podcast you are listening to. That's right, 007, Canada's only James Bond podcast. We are back <laughs> for yet another episode and kind of a bittersweet one. Uh, not as bittersweet as Sam Smith's uh, wonderful writings on the wall. But this is kind of our last proper film recap for the main Bond series. Uh, at least until 2020 or whenever the next one comes out. If you're listening to this in the future, then just skip ahead and listen to our Bond 25 uh, Flitter Mouse starring Idris Elba right now. Um, <laughs> in that case, this isn't the last one. But for the time being, at the time of recording, um, in March 2016, this will be the last one for a long time. And we're talking about Spectre. Spectre? Spectre. Um, very fresh in our minds. Very, very fresh. We've actually already done like four or so episodes on this. Uh, one post-film, our reaction one, which was recorded about two hours after seeing the freaking thing. Um, but yeah, it's really fascinating. I think we've all seen it a fair few times now, um, so it would be very interesting to see what opinions have changed and if it is still too fresh. Uh, but we should introduce ourselves for what could be the final time for a while for the film recaps. We're not disappearing forever. Uh, and I will say that my name is Noah Groves, and 
Uh, I also led my stepbrother to kill his father. I don't know. My name is Ben, and I'm sitting at your desk. I'm kissing your lover, and I'm eating supper with your family. Um, and I'm C, which stands for Colin, but also stands for kite dancing in a hurricane. <laughs> uh, yes, I spectre, spectre, spectre. Um, Sam Mendes, Daniel Craig's fourth. Will it be his final? I don't know. Um, it's... It's an interesting one. I guess we start... We're not going to waste time setting it all up. You know what the hell Spectre is. We've talked about it a lot. And we'll just give our brief opinions on it. Because we already have talked for two hours on this film. Uh, but I have to say, I've seen it four times now. Well, four and a half. I've kind of watched a lot of the scenes without actually watching the entire film. Um, and I enjoy this film. It has issues, which we'll get into... Um, I actually was going to write up a long list of changes I would make to this film, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> but it's it's enjoyable, and I still... Uh, this is not a good thing going into this, but I still don't know what to make of this film, whether or not I absolutely love it, or if I'm like, uh, what a waste of potential. Um, but I enjoy it every time. It always goes by in a flash every time I watch it, even though it's the longest Bond film. And it's got a lot of good in it. I think it's Daniel Craig's best performance as Bond, and that's coming from someone who's not really a huge Daniel Craig fan. I love Christoph Waltz. This film, and we'll jump into this, but I feel like this one is the reason why it may not be as good as it could because it feels like it's the beginning of a ser- like a trilogy or a series of two films. Or there was so much setup in it that I feel like a lot was left by the wayside, but... I enjoy Spectre. I don't absolutely hate on it like some people, and I don't know if there's anyone who absolutely adores it. Um, there must be. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Well, maybe I'm that person who absolutely adores it uh, because every single time I watch this film, I love it even more. And, um, I mean, we came out of this, as you said, Noah, and kind of had, um, you know, a, an episode recorded essentially two hours after you and I had seen it. And, I mean, I still remember the, the phone, uh, the phone, the, the car conversation you and I had um, on the way back to my house about, you know, our thoughts of it and all this sort of stuff. And, um, I mean, I agree with you that there are definitely issues with this film, but, um, I mean, there's just something about this film that every time I watch it, I enjoy it even more. And I think that, as you said, it, it goes by so quickly. Like, I mean, it is the longest film, but... It, it doesn't seem that way. And and I, rem- I remember saying to you when we left the cinema, oh, there were bits that definitely dragged out for a little bit. But now I think there are definitely bits in this that really it doesn't seem that way. And Daniel Craig, completely agree with you. Easily his best performance as James Bond. He is finally James Bond to me in this film. And there are, there are so many elements of this movie that just bring back classic elements of James Bond, which I think just works so well. And it's why I think I really enjoy it. And... Um, you know, I, I just think there's a lot to love. And I I mean, from what I see on the internet now and reviews and everything, to me, this is sort of becoming a universally hated James Bond film. And I, I mean, I can definitely see why some people don't like it for certain things, but I don't see why it would be as hated as much as some people seem to talk about it online. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to... Because of Sam Smith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the first out gay man to win an Oscar. Hashtag, no, you weren't, Sam. Um, but, um, I mean, we'll get to it. We'll talk about everything, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this episode. Yeah. It's interesting because 
this is, I don't know, my fourth or fifth time seeing it. And um, when it first came out on Blu-ray, <clears throat> um, funny funny enough story, the uh, it was right before Valentine's Day. And my wife was, she had decided she wanted to sleep over at a friend's house uh, on Valentine's Day. Wow. So I spent it by myself <laughs> watching Spectre. Uh, <laughs> So following that, as everybody was asking me, it's like, "Whoa, what did you do for Valentine's Day?" I was like, "Yeah, I watched Spectre by myself because my wife left me." But, um, <laughs> but in, in saying that, <laughs> guess this song's for me now. Um, in saying that, I had a lot of people, as I said, "Yeah, I watched Spectre," who were like. Yeah, you know, that movie was just okay. And I don't know how many times I heard that over the course of that week. Every conversation I had with people, they're like, yeah, that movie was just okay. And I think that's kind of the impression. And I can understand most people are only going to watch a movie once. So coming off this, if seeing it for the fourth time, my opinion has changed every time I've seen this. The last time I saw it was uh, pretty much right before we recorded our Skyfall episode. And right at the end of Skyfall, I remember even saying how bad I felt the second half of this movie was. And here I am a week and a half later watching it again, and the second half of the movie is not great, but I don't think as bad as I saw it even a week and a half ago. So it's a movie where your opinion does change every time, you know, for better or worse. I have no clue how I'm going to feel about this at the end of this episode. I am even less confused, uh, or I'm even more confused by about what I'm going to feel about this movie a year from now, because my opinion keeps changing on it. But there's good things in well, here. We'll especially... check back next Valentine's Day and find out. That's right. In our Valentine's Day episode, for all the lonely, lonely <laughs> men who just sit there watching James Bond by themselves. Hey, hey, having a date with Daniel Craig, that's a good Valentine's Day. <laughs> it wasn't bad, I have to admit. But but no, I mean, it's... You it's two and so Daniel Craig. You'll so see it one day, Noah. To... <laughs> <laughs> when I'm older, I'll understand. Yeah. When you have a wife who's who's actually going to be there to leave you on Valentine's Day, you'll get it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, not much to oh. add. Because uh, uh, I don't know how I'll feel about this at the end of the sentence, to be honest. It's, it's an ever-changing movie. <laughs> the bipolar Bond movie. Yeah. I feel like Colin is strapped into a chair getting a needle stuck into his head. He's <laughs> constantly changing opinions. It's just changing it's by the second. The thought process of a Spectre. <laughs> yeah, I feel like as soon as he does his rankings, he'll be changing it five times before the actual episode is over. Um <laughs> Or he'll be writing in uh, saying, oh, I need to change it again. Like when, when we offer that change, it's going to be interesting. But um, yeah, this film, you mentioned people watching it once. It's definitely something you must watch more than once because I think it's better on a rewatch. And on this fourth watch, I picked up so much thing. Like I was not expecting to pick up that many th- my third watch was on a flight Great show. Uh, back to Australia. Um, what was that? You said third watch. Sorry, I got excited. Never mind. Continue. Oh. Third watch reference on Double on Seven. Bad nineties reference. <laughs> hey, early two thousands more. So thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. It never gets referenced on anything. Like it never. The greatest TV show in the history of the world got referenced once on Thirty Rock. Okay, let me have a moment that Noah technically referenced the. Best TV show of all time. 
Yeah, As well, most my... right now are Googling Third Watch to find yeah. out what you're talking about, the greatest show of all time. Even then, it still won't We'll, we'll start We'll start doing a Third Watch theme instead of the Die Another Day theme in a minute if we're not careful, just to get people involved. All right, all right, well, move on. By me. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's hear it. There it is, all right. Yeah, I feel like that interruption really... Uh... <laughs> put a downer on my anecdote because it really wasn't that good all i was saying is i watched it on a flight so i didn't really pick up too much because it's just not the best environment to be really paying attention to a film um hold on a second not to interrupt and totally derail this podcast but (laughs) i'm sitting here having my wife leave me on valentine's day (laughs) and you have to top the story with i watch it on a flight (laughs) all i'm saying is this rewatch i did today um is I just picked up on so many little details and it kind of maybe in some ways improve on the film, particularly characters like C and uh, Blofeld, spoiler alert, but also then some things where I'm like, well, that makes zero sense. And again, it's a James Bond film. How much logic are you really going to apply to it? Um, but there is so much to get into, so we should just dive in. Can, can um, I just interrupt you again? That sentence Noah just said, Hear him say that and go back and listen to the Die Another Day episode. <laughs> I can't ever... I'm like Colin. I can't ever remember what I just said. My uh, thoughts are changing by the minute. Um, How do I podcast? Yeah, but... Well, there's a difference between plots not really making too much sense and invisible cars and ice palaces and Madonna. <laughs> yeah, That's a big difference. Noah. What movie um, is that from? <laughs> this one! <laughs> Oh, we're getting him out of the way early. Madonna was in Third Watch. Oh, my God. (laughs) Madonna was in Third Watch. I would... No wonder you love it so much. Um, I'm not going to finish that sentence. (laughs) We need to get into it. We're not even out of the intro. There's so much to dive into with this film because we barely scraped the barrel uh, or the surface, sorry, uh, in our... Scraped the barrel. (laughs) The the gun barrel. And speaking of which, Noah... (laughs) Yeah. Gun barrel. which. Just, we've already talked about this. We knew it was coming, and it was it just got so pumped up for the film, like the anticipation, waiting for this to come out, and then it started with the gun barrel was just amazing. Um, I think we're all in agreement. I know, Colin, you've defended the end one, but if you do, uh, if you talk anything bad about this being here, um, get off. Yeah. Um, and then we have a bit of Sam Mendes' artsy fartsiness when we have, what is it? The dead right, are alive. Man. Which I don't really have any opinion on, if I'm being real. Um, I don't love it or hate it. It's just kind of like typical Mendes. Um, <laughs> and the pre-title sequence, uh, which is in Mexico City, if you didn't know. But how do we know? Because we've got it written there. Um, the know? Day of Dead. Yeah, um, sometimes I feel like they don't need to tell us where we are all the time. But anyway, we had this, another really kind of artsy-fartsy, Mendy's hipster type thing is when we had this long, continuous shot. But I love it. I really do enjoy it. It's kind of like, eh, well, that's not really Bondy, but it's really impressive. So it's cool, uh, the introduction of Bond, and he's uh, a woman of the week, as they go after Skiara. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool. And the music, the environment, 
Mate, uh, really cool. And then Bond leaves her with the machine gun walking across the rooftops, which is just awesome. Um, and we have him kind of looking in on Skiara. He shoots a few people, add that to the kill count, and then the building explodes. Um, yeah, it, it, it just explodes, all right? Accept it for what it is. Um, and the building comes crashing down. Bond has a few... Uh, I've seen a few people criticise this scene because of bad graphics or whatever, but I think it's awesome. I love this building falling down and Bond. And then one of my all-time favourite moments of this film, not even joking, Bond falls, he slides down, and he lands onto a couch. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I am not exaggerating. That is one of... Because it's... This is such an important moment in James Bond because if we've had these three films or four, if you even count Die Another Day, because that's just an anomaly. But it it just felt like, oh, we are back. This it makes no. Why would there be a couch there? But it's funny, and that's what James Bond is. And it's a classic callback to Roger Moore or even Sean Connery. Stuff like this would happen in Sean Connery films too. Um, it was. Amazing. I loved it then. It's still one of my favourite images of this film, and I think it's a, a great signifier for what this film will be. Um, yeah, I love it. Um, so Bond chases Skiara through the crowds in the Day of the Dead festival. They end up on the helicopter. A uh, pretty cool fight on the helicopter. Bond kills Skiara, takes the ring, um, flies away, and we hit ding, ding, ding. Um, and I remember saying to Ben when we were watching this film for a moment I thought there was going to be no title sequence and it was just going to be Bond flying a helicopter for the entire thing because it started the song like well into still the film and I was like what they can't do that Um, but that never happened I love this pre-title sequence it probably is the best Craig one Quantum's not there and Casino Royale is good, but it's so short. And then I think I was a little bit lower on the Skyfall one than you guys were, even though I still enjoy it. There's just so much going on here, and it's like a mini-movie in itself. And then if you think to the end of this film, it is quite different. We've come a long way from the beginning to the end. Um, I love the action. I love the comedy of falling on the couch. Um, the helicopter stuff is really impressive. Um just the whole thing, it's so big, the Mexico City, all the extras they had. I really do enjoy it. It's just so much going on in this pre-title scene. I think when it comes to a lot of talking about this film too, that, um, I mean, I really guess kind of a lot of what we do in this sort of segment is talk a little bit about some of the background of it and sort of heading into it. But I think if people are wondering why we're not doing that this time around, listen to our four episodes covering this film. You know, we did a preview episode, we did trailer reactions, and we did a reaction of it. So I guess kind of we've covered a lot of that with, you know, stuff beforehand. So just thought people should know that if, in case you're picking us up somehow. Stop listening to Spectre, etc. or whatever it is and going, oh, look, another Australian one. Um, <laughs> we're here first, folks. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I thought I was, I mean, I was a bit negative on this opening sequence when I first saw it. I thought it was, you know, like the opening bit and the, the opening tracking shot and kind of all this, and I called it out for being a bit arty-farty and everything. Um, but, look, I've, I've definitely come around on it. But can I just point out, the 
sitting in that cinema for the first time and, and just... We we got it spoiled by Colin. We we asked the only question, because Colin saw this about, what, two weeks before Nara and I got to see it. So we, we asked the question. We said, okay, is the gun barrel there? Because I'd read rumours on Twitter that it returned, and then Colin confirmed. And just the way they open it up with the, the MGM line, how it kind of zooms into the eye, then you get the Columbia Sony picture, and just that music build up, and you've kind of got that subtle, like, like that just gives me chills every time I hear it and see it because it's like I've waited what 13 years for this to come back and screw the gun barrel being at the end of the film that is not a James Bond film this is a James Bond film and this to me like I I'm not a fan of the writing bit at the start where it's like the dead are alive I think that doesn't belong in a Bond film but I can forgive it because we've got the gun barrel if we didn't have the gun barrel and that's how it started fuck you Sam Mendes go back to your plastic bags floating in the air but I can What is the dead are alive? Is that just supposed to be a reference to Franz Oberhauser or something? Or the day of the dead? Oh, I don't know. I think it's a day of the dead thing, but I think you could also put it into both. context of... Yeah, exactly. Um, so that... Oh, how deep is that? That is just... This is just setting this film up to be something special because we get that. And then that opening tracking shot, I think it's about four-minute continuous shot technically, before we get any sort of cut or fade or anything along those lines. And, and I've come around on it completely. I think it's brilliant. I think it works really well. The music, um, kind of the setup when they're walking through the crowd, um, I just think it works amazingly. And kind of, you know, Bond with, as you said, <laughs> his girl of the week, who we never, you know, get anything from. Um, and then Bond doesn't actually either. Um, I mean, Bond only says about, what, like two lines in this entire opening 10-minute sequence? He says, what, like, back in a sec and bottoms up. I think are they the only lines that he utters in this opening sequence. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't see how people can complain about the graphics of that building falling on the building. I think it looks awesome, and I think that's something that they show all the time. I think it looks great. Um, I mean, if that's what 2015 special effects look shit, then, hey, that's... Fine by me. Go back and watch Die Another Day if you want to talk about <laughs> great special effects in James Bond films. And I love that movie. That kites. Um, but yeah, I, I'm completely with you on that couch. I remember cracking up in the cinema when I saw that, and it still gets me every single time. And I mean, it's just such a James Bond thing. And just this whole opening bit with the the shooting, and then the helicopter chase, and everybody's like screaming on the ground. Ah! Which I think, really, shouldn't they be more panicked? You've got, like, a fucking helicopter doing loop-de-loops above you and, like, you know, getting ready to chop, and they're all standing in the square still. Like, run away, Mexicans. You're going to get killed. Um, Maybe Donald Trump organised that helicopter. I don't know. Um, But uh, I think it's a great little fight. Um, And the ring bit when it kind of zooms in, you know, pensive James Bond staring at an octopus thing uh, is, is cool. But, I mean, the one thing, and I said this in our reaction episode, that I think that the only thing that this was missing and it could have made it super James Bondy is if, like, he had then returned to the woman and was like, oh, I told you it'd only be a sec, and yeah. there's James Bond having sex with this woman. Like, that would be such a Roger Moore thing to do, and that would be a perfect way to do it. Not that this isn't, you know, up there. And, I, I mean, I'd put this up there, top ten possibly opening sequences. Um is it better than... That would be a perfect way to do it, but then I don't think that would lead in well with... Well, they could, like, have him, like, come into the room and then he... Oh, I told you would be a tick. Take his clothes off and puts the ring on the table and then they zoom in on the... Yeah, or they just change the song, but we'll get to that in. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to all-time go- high the way that you're rating this movie. <laughs> 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 Cedar Easton. Olay one, two, one. <laughs> 
I'm not putting the fart sounds in it again, all right? We're not going down that route. But, um, yeah, overall, it's a great opening sequence. I've come around with it a lot more than I think I talked it down a little bit when we first talked about it. Um, yeah, probably a top 10 opening sequence. And I don't know, is it better than Skyfall? Yeah, I reckon probably just ahead, so I would agree with you. Probably the best of the uh, the Craig opening sequences for sure. Well, at the time we recapped this the first time um, <laughs> of our many recaps of Spectre, uh, I said that this was at least when the first time I saw it in the theater, I thought it was the greatest opening sequence I've ever seen. And uh, I didn't expect that would hold up. I mean, a lot of that had to do with the fact of seeing this on an IMAX screen, just like this massive screen. Ooh, um, well, I saw it on a plane. Opening night. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I saw it with my wife the first two times before she left me. Third time, she knew you'd be too excited, so that's why she gave you Valentine's Day with Spectre. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, as far honey. as how this, as far as how this holds up, um, I, I mean, I never expected it to always hold as my favorite opening sequence. But now, months later, and seeing it several more times, this is probably still a top five, at least for me, for the opening sequences. I just love it. Uh, I think that opening shot is just as good now as it was the first time I saw it, and. There's a, a good making of on the, the Blu-ray, which is pretty much the only making of if people are wanting a preview if yes, they haven't the had Blu-ray. it. Oh, how good is a Blu-ray now? It's the best. I love it's the Blu-ray. It's amazing. So, <laughs> it came out probably last week or so. Ben and Noah actually had an advanced copy of the Blu-ray. That's how they're able to talk about this. I watched this. it on the plane. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They were giving Blu-rays away on that plane. I watched <laughs> it on the bus. <laughs> yeah. um, I... I, I think that the entire opening shot, they don't really give away. They do say, well, there's a bit of trick, you know, editing in there. They don't really give away, but I think it's pretty clear that everything up until when he steps on the ledge is probably one shot. But just talk about that ledge for a moment. I mean, if there's no other way of s- pretty much solidifying why Daniel Craig is James Bond, I think the ledge bit, <laughs> strangely enough, is it. Because that was done for real. Um, he was walking on a real ledge with a real crowd right below him. And the confidence that Daniel Craig can do something like that, which you don't think would be a tough stunt. But then when you're actually looking at it after watching the making of and realizing, wow, that's really high. And he's pretty close to the edge there. And he's walking really fast. And he's totally in character. Daniel Craig is the physical bond. And something as simple as that makes him great. And it's not until you realize how much... Uh, effort was put into just him walking on a ledge and how dangerous it might have been that you realize how good he is i don't really have a problem with the building collapsing i haven't even heard any complaints about that so i'm kind of surprised even though it is i think ultimately just comes down to the fact that it's the one moment of the movie other than maybe the mi6 demolition at the end where you know an effect was used and i think people are just going to start nitpicking everything that's not done for real well we're going to have boring James Bond movies because you, you can't do everything for real. After a while, you're going to need some effects. It's no um, Komodo dragon or kaitsu. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I wasn't even down on the Komodo dragon. Um, commenting really quickly on the gun barrel, since I skipped that. Uh, again, just to uh, state what I stated last time, it's not so much that I love the gun barrel on the end, it's that I understood the the reason for it and i think those two movies benefited from having something really big at the end to get excited about and i do think that it was needed in the beginning of this one but what i love most about it is that it actually catches me off guard even still when i was watching this yesterday when the gun barrel showed up at the end it was still almost like this moment where my heart started racing and i'm like oh that's right they put it at the beginning that's kind of exciting so 
um, I think we just got so used to not having it that uh, it, it's a welcome surprise. So uh, I'm okay with it on the beginning or the end, but uh, this time it worked on the beginning. Um, it's so easy to just talk about that opening shot and forget how much other good stuff there is here. I mean, the helicopter stunts alone, which again, were done for real. Uh, it's just insane. And it's really pretty much a, a callback to what they did during the seventies movies where they would find somebody who did something incredible. And they're, they're like, well, let's see if we can get this guy to do it in a James Bond movie. And those flips are just unreal, and uh, it doesn't, again, it doesn't lose any of its impact the more times you watch this, or even if you're watching it on TV. Uh, the only questions I really have about this is, why is James Bond taking the ring off his finger in the first place? Like, <laughs> he doesn't know anything about this ring. It's not until later on where uh, Q is investigating the ring they even realize there's a connection. So why in the middle of this fight did you just decide... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna rob this guy at the same time. I, I need to pay for my plane ticket home because I'm supposed to be on vacation. So he wants to pawn this ring or something. Like I'm not really sure why he targets the ring. Uh, and I do like the idea of him going back to uh, Estrella, his Bond girl. Uh, but I have a bigger question, and I'd like an opinion on this if you guys have even considered it. But is she just a girl that he happened to be there with, or is she part of his mission? Is this like a Paula and, you know, he decides to step out? Like That's kind of what I assume when I watch the first half of the scene. And then when he just decides to step out on her, I'm like, well, maybe she's just a random girl. But I kind of like the idea that this would be, you know, an on-site assistant like Paula. I always just assume uh, random Mexican, babe. Yeah, same. I just thought it was just slot of the week. Yeah, <laughs> well, which would oh, make, this again? Which would make sense, not not her being a slut, but <laughs> being random. But um, she's not. Leaving. It would make sense, except I would wonder why is he bringing her along when he knows he's about to go kill a couple guys. I, I so I don't know. I kind of like thinking that she's part of the mission because Bond gets well, horny when he's about to kill. Um. We'll find out in our Sam Mendes interview coming out soon. Um, (laughs) That's our number one. Tell us, Sam, when will the plastic bag appear in James Bond? Tell us the backstory of Estrella. Um, (laughs) Oh, yes, I'd love to talk about that. She's just a random Mexican slut. (laughs) Well, that covers that. Can you imagine that? Exclusive interview with Sam Mendes, this Academy Award winning director. We can ask him anything we want. Tell us about Estrella. I'm going to imagine that she's the widow of Ronson. That's my oh. writing of Spectre on the spot. And she had an affair. Well, maybe she's a Spectre member. <laughs> oh, God. Is that it for the pre-titles? That, that's it. Uh, now we get into... Ti- oh, do we have to? Um, I love the title sequence. I'm going to say that first. <laughs> I really love it. Because um, Skyfall was good, a bit convoluted, a bit full of just... A lot of stuff, knives everywhere and things. Quantum, you had the evil sand dunes. Um, I really enjoy this one. It was a pleasant surprise. Uh, well, maybe not even a surprise. It was just a good thing. Um, I'm not sure if it's my favourite Craig one. I actually rewatched the Casino Royale intro before we came on this episode just to see which one I liked better, and I still haven't come up with a decision. But it is one of the best ones of the last 20 years or so. Um, there's some things I don't like. It's a bit too literal. Like, uh, 
oh, I can't remember the lyrics of the dumbass song, but <laughs> break my fall or whatever it says, and Bond and Madeline are falling through the sky and a million shards of glass, and they're showing a million shards of glass um, that haunt me from uh, my past, and they're showing his past. Uh, it's a bit too literal. Person. Yeah, <laughs> one person's missing from that past. I think that's just from the drilling that made him forget that. But um, yeah, uh, it's a bit too literal in some bits, but just the visuals, the use of fire and red. I love all the octopus. The giant octopus is amazing. I love the image of uh, Blofeld or Oberhauser with the octopus tentacles behind him, like Doc Ock going on there. I think that's amazing. Um, I love the... What, it's almost like a live and let die. It's just a brief three-second clip of this weird skull face kind of freeze frame, like call back to the Roger Moore freeze frame intros almost. Um, there's so much going on in this, but also at the same time there's room to breathe, unlike Skyfall. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. I really love it. Um, and sometimes I often just watch just the pre-title, uh, just the title sequence. But there's one big factor that draws away from the title sequence, and that is uh, the writings on the wall by dumbass Sam Smith. Um, Academy Award I hate winner. this song. Academy Award winner Sam Smith, How Do I Live? Um, yeah, I hate it. I really do hate it. Um, you've got these people now. I suspect one of these people will be on the line uh, where it's kind of like, well, I don't know the other person's opinion on this, but, yeah, it's just that kind of thing where, like, everyone hates something, so then you get that group of people, well, it's not actually bad, it's actually awesome, um, which some people do believe that, but also I do feel like some people are just going against the trend just to be hipsters. Um, it's No, it's bad. Um, this was a huge misstep by the production crew. Um, and I know people are going to try and defend it. And one big argument was, oh, but it works well with the title sequence, so that makes it better. Yeah, it does work better with the title sequence. I will give it that. But I also saw the Radiohead writings on the wall song um, up against this title sequence, and that worked. And I thought that Radiohead one was worse than this piece of shit, <laughs> and that worked with the title. You could put any, you could put sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, and it would probably <laughs> yes work with this title sequence. <laughs> Please, like, somebody do that. <laughs> sunshine, yeah, lollipops, and rainbows. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you could do anything and it would probably work so yeah that was one kind of plus for it in the past but now i look at it and i think i don't even see that as really a saving grace um this song has really next to nothing to do with the film it's a love song and i'll get into the madeline swan stuff later and that's one thing on subsequent rewatches where i've kind of looked at it differently and it's just a love song it's like oh, i don't even know wimpy was one of the words we've used in the past that's a good one wimpy and it doesn't suit it um yeah huge 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 huge, huge misstep from this song um i'd love to hear a legitimate argument for it but really i i Back in the day, a few months ago, I was willing to give it a chance. Now I just think 
no, I'm not going to pretend to like something just because it's Bond. I think this is a horrible song, and I don't think you guys should be surprised when we do our rankings of the songs. I'll just leave it there. Um, not a fan at all. So this is probably one of the most jarring title sequences to song in terms of what I like out of any of the films, really. What's interesting is that kind of when I saw this for the first time, I'm like, oh, yeah, the title sequence, that was good. Then they kind of leaked it, and I know we all could watch it. Um, well, not leaked, but, I mean, they'd released the sort of... You could download the title sequence whilst the movie was... But we didn't. We watched it on the Blu-ray. Yes, we waited until the Blu-ray release. Um, and kind of... I remember watching it a few times. I'm like, hey, I'm really a bit down on that now. Like, But, I, I again, I've come around it again. I think out of all the Craig intros, it's second slash third. It's not the worst. Uh, <laughs> that's nowhere near it. But, um, I mean, one one thing that is interesting is that, what, Daniel, is it Kleinman has done the t- title sequences for every yeah. single Bond film since Goldeneye, except for Quantum of Solace. Um, so he really... Well, he could have done such that, good things with Sand Dunes. We know he could That was done for an eighth-grade assignment, that one. And we, we have to say that, um, I mean, we've kind of talked up every single title sequence since Golden. I know you two were a bit down on Tomorrow Never Dies and the World Is Not Enough, but I still am fans of those, and I think kind of really every title sequence, with the exception of Quantum of Solace, since Goldeneye has been very good. And actually, just reading about Daniel Kleiman, he actually has directed a music video for, for Madonna before, so there you go. Um, but, uh, look, the octopus porn and you know the literal bits like yeah i can see what you're coming at um the the references to past villains and look this is just going to be the the running joke of this film who's dominic green did we ever have a villain called dominic green because we get le chief we get silver you know we get vespa we get m but poor old dominic is just you know left out of anything there um i like the the tentacles in the eyes um you know the the octopus on the gun um, I mean, that's all kind of cool, and, and it works well. And, and once again, Daniel Craig finds a way to put himself in an opening title sequence. Uh, shirtless Daniel Craig with, like, an orgy of women around him having octopus tentacles go up his bum, probably. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's entertaining. The colours work really well, kind of like the gold and the black and all that sort of stuff. Um, the song. Now, I mean... I've come around on it a bit more than when it first came out, but it's not a top 10 by any means. As I said when we did the episode, I mean, the song as a song, I think, is a decent song, but not as a James Bond song. Um, and I know we kind of talked it up and said, like, you know, oh, you know, the plot and all this sort of stuff. And, yeah, it works with the title. I agree with you. I- I'm waiting to see Sunshine and Lollipops with this title to see how well that, that plays out with it. But, um... I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. In the, in, in the total grand scheme of the film, it's only talking about the writings on the wall. Oh, his name was written on the wall at the end of the film. Um, and it is a, like a love, love song. Like, this would suit more Casino Royale. It would suit Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Um, I mean, yeah, like, Leia Seydoux and, you know, Madeline Swan. like, yeah, the word love was uttered. But, I mean, is this the undying love that James Bond has for this woman? I mean, he doesn't say it to her. Undying. Oh, too soon. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Tracy. Um, but, I mean, we, we should really point out a few things about the song, though. I mean, hate it or hate it. Um, I mean, it was, the, it was the very first James Bond song to go to number one in the UK. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, 24 films, and we're, we're talking about, you know, Live and Let Die Here, you know, uh, View to a Kill, Die Another Day, Skyfall, you know, these ones that were commercially successful around the world, but they'd never gone to number one in the UK, and it took it this amount yeah, of time to go to number that's one. That's the thing he... 
he said in interviews, oh, I wasn't writing this song uh, to chart or be a radio hit. I just wrote it for a good Bond song. It's so painfully obvious trying to appeal to people on the radio and, to get to a number one and win Oscars. And and well, and let's point out, again, we talked about this in the episode, but he took 20 minutes to write this song and he won a fucking <laughs> Oscar for it, okay, kids? Like, there you go. Songwriters, take note. You want to win an Oscar? 20 minutes is all it takes to win an Oscar. And it's, it's very fresh in our minds because to date this episode, we're recording this exactly one week after he won an Oscar for this. Um, so, I mean, okay, great. We've had two films in a row for James Bond that's won an Oscar. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Skyfall versus The Writings on the Wall? Mm-hmm. I wonder which one's a better song. And one, I read a very interesting interview with Sam Smith a couple of days ago that he said that the performance he gave at the Academy Awards of singing this song, he absolutely hated it and said it was horrible. And he said he only recorded this song to be recorded once and that he hates singing it live because he hates having to sing it so high. Well, there's a message in there, Sam. You shouldn't have written it that way. <laughs> Why did you Somebody do it got so your balls high. in a grist. Like, if you don't like going that high, well, then don't sing a song where your balls are getting stretched, alright, mate? no one liked it. <laughs> Everyone thought that was the worst bit. Um, but yeah, and lyrically, well, look, yes, how do I live? How do I breathe? Well, you're alive because you're breathing. Um, and when you're not here, I've I'm... been near before. <laughs> always hit the floor. The most cliche lyrics of any Bond song. Oh, anyway. Bring back, he's got a powerful weapon. <laughs> Bring back, <laughs> I want to wake up, yes and no, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, I'll start on the song since we're on a roll here. <laughs> you, I, I'm just going to kind of give proof here that... Uh, at least I'm not, I don't know about you guys, but at least I'm not one of these people who just wants to jump on the bandwagon and hate on the song. Because the only other spoiler you asked on opening night from me, other than is the gun barrel there, is does the song actually work better in the sequence? Uh, and I said at the time, yeah, it actually works really well with the title sequence. And I think I would have agreed with that even the second time I saw the movie. But... Uh, Here's the thing. It is such a soft, you know, you said wimpy, but even just put aside the fact that it is a wimpier song, it's such a soft, quiet song that it doesn't really work watching it home on TV unless you're really blasting it. Uh, This song needs to be in a theater with huge speakers behind it in order to really work because it's just not very powerful. And the title sequence is so good that I think that's part of the other thing, is that that would work with Sunshine, Lollipops, and Rainbows, or whatever. Um, This song just is not great. And furthermore, not to be just the one really, really hating on the song, because I think we complain just as much about All Time High and Die Another Day for sure. (laughs) Fart effects for Sam Smith. Um, (laughs) No. That's a hashtag, surely. Burp sound effects. Um, But let's be honest, it's not even an original song. This is Michael Jackson's Earth song. I know many people have given the comparisons, and I have to do some editing on the end of this for the audio just to prove it. It is just the Earth song. You stole my and idea, song- Colin. I was going to open with Earth song, but now I can't do it because, Ben, you're stealing well, my joke. Well, let's do it both. I mean, we could do the same joke twice. Why don't we just uh, have sunshine lollipops instead? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Burp sound. Uh, that's the best of all worlds. 
But, like, honestly, it's the exact same song, just without any of the exciting parts, without any drums, without any power behind it. It's just a weak song, and it's a lazy effort. The fact that, like, 20 years from now, people are going to look back, and they're going to be like, oh, James Bond has won two Oscars for original songs. Which ones were they for? Oh, Skyfall, that makes sense. Writing's on the wall? <laughs> like, that's the reaction people are going to have. And I think that just does nothing but show how... Uh, really light the competition was this year because even if you look at the movies it was up against there's not that much competition so i don't know if we really need to complain about it winning an oscar it was a light um, gaga song yeah oh, oh. <laughs> coming from the guys attending madonna's concert i guess uh Ooh. but just moving on to the title sequence really quickly I mean, I talked a lot about this when it first came out, and there's so many things I love in here. Um, I don't think we need to complain about Daniel Craig being in the title sequences. Roger Moore was in almost all his title sequences, and was the same shot in every single one from movie to movie. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan had an entire sequence of the movie uh, edited into his, so it's nothing big. I actually like Daniel Craig appearing in his. I think it's done clever each time. This time, even with the flashbacks, I remember us complaining about the flashbacks being in the title sequence and now that i see how much this movie is really playing on honor majesty secret service i like that because honor majesty secret service was the one using the flashbacks in there and even that that shirtless shot of daniel craig the daniel craig shirtless silhouette with the woman's hands on him and then the octopus i mean that's a total throwback to the the teaser poster for honor majesty secret service with the silhouetted shirtless guy and the women around him so um, I love all that stuff. Uh, the octopus wrapping itself around a gun. Uh, it's just, it's an absurd opening sequence that I think deserved an absurd opening song and not Sam Smith. Uh, I think we can best summarize uh, uh, Sam Smith writing on the wall is when I showed my dad this film and he said, well, what the hell did they picked this song for? Uh, <laughs> that really summarizes everyone's thoughts on... Uh, Sam Smith's The Writings on the Wall. It's a bad song. Uh, let's move on to the actual film. Uh, as Ben said, we have already talked about this before, so there may be some stuff we kind of glide over, but um, we'll get into it. There is a lot to cover in just in terms of discussion here. Um, but starting at the end of The Writings on the Wall intro, we have Bond in the office, which I love because it's just a callback to starting the film with Bond. Uh, it would have been good if we went through and we had a traditional money penny scene beforehand. I would have enjoyed that. Um, and then into the office, but it's fine. Uh, I like Bond in the traditional office with the doors. Uh, Bond has been grounded. Uh, Mexico City. What were you doing? Yeah, Bond has been grounded. Is he going to have to go rogue? Uh, that's original. Country Club um, 007. <laughs> yes. Good callback to Gordon Dench there. Um, <laughs> then we are introduced to Max Demby. I bet you he's not a bad guy. Um, suppose we should call you C now. Uh, no, Max is fine. Ah, uh, C. I think I'll call C. you C. <laughs> I love it. C. C. <laughs> um, call me dumb. Where does the letter C come from? I'm asking the same question. I thought I was going to be the dumb one. I, no, no, I, I, I thought the same thing, and I looked it up on Valentine's Day because I didn't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> the romance continues in the Hilding up. residence. 
I looked it up uh, just to uh, to answer that question, and apparently, I guess the real MI5. That's where the whole idea of M came from. Is that in the real MI5 they would use those letters as code names, and the head of MI5 for years was known as C. And Ian Fleming just took that idea and said, well, I'm making MI6, I'll just call mine M instead of C. So it's kind of a joke for people who actually know about British intelligence. Oh, right, all those people. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Mildred, do you remember back in the day of British intelligence when they called people C? Back in the day of British intelligence, because they don't have any anymore, right? (laughs) There's Americans now. I saw the letters SC at one point. I can't remember where. Oh, when Demby falls at the end. So I thought, oh, maybe it was Central Security. I don't know. It's the name of the new intelligence agency, if you miss that part of the movie. (laughs) That's where I thought the C could come from. (laughs) No, the writing's Um, on the wall, okay? Like, it's... (laughs) On the the floor, floor (laughs) The writing's on the floor. Um, Sunshine and yeah, talking about fault, there is a lot of folding in this film. So maybe Sam Smith was on to something. Um, always hit the floor. That's a reference That's to what he won his Oscar for. That's kind of brilliant. <laughs> his now. head would hit yeah. the floor. He's a genius. Um, He's an openly gay person who won an Oscar the very first. All right. <laughs> um. So we have the introduction of Demby, or we'll call him C now. Nah. Yeah, he's not. He's not going to be a bad guy. Um, then Bond leaves and we have Money Penny following after him. Like, this is straight off the bat. I'm in love with Naomi Harris in this film. I think she is brilliant as Money Penny. I wasn't a huge Eve fan, but as Money Penny, I think she does the role so well. She gives him some of the personal items from Skyfall. Um, and then it cuts to his apartment. And I just have to say, I absolutely love James Bond's apartment. Like, I love that they've given him this kind of old dingy kind of wooden floorboard type thing like he doesn't have this super fancy thing i think it suits the character and it's very fleming-esque i think to not have bond in having all the riches and having all these different things in his house um sadly we didn't have bond hiding a girl in a closet and then uh using a magnetic thing to unzip her um it's gone of those days but Bond's apartment's really cool. We, we couldn't last 10 minutes of this film without Judy Dench. She's on the TV uh, telling us about uh, Bond's mission to find Skiara. I thought it was an interview on the uh, Graham Norton show, actually, when I first saw it. <laughs> Someone should re-edit it for something different <laughs> at TV. That would be funny. Um, and that he has to go to the funeral. Um, so... Uh, Judy's M was onto something here with Spectre, but I'm just confused as to why it was such a big secret that she could only share with Bond. Like, isn't it just MI6's job to catch people like Spectre? And, and hold on, I have a bigger question. When did she record that? Because she, she thought Bond was dead up until like the moment he showed up in Skyfall. Maybe it goes back from either she's like Nostradamus and it's from before Cassandra Rowell or something. Maybe that's a big conspiracy where she groomed Bond to be a double O agent all leading up to this moment, knowing that she would die. She's a time traveller. She knew yeah. this was all going to she happen. She is now. the doctor. She is Doctor Who. <laughs> doctor Who, yes. <laughs> um... Yeah, it, it, again, that's the one thing you've... Uh, there's a lot of moments like this in this film where you're just going to go, eh, 
not the total sense, but whatever. Because, um, yeah, when would she... Maybe it was filmed at Skyfall uh, when they were waiting for Silver to show up. When she was banging what's-his-name. <laughs> Kincaid. <laughs> yeah, uh, they should have had Kincaid in the background. Get the Emma, camera out. Back to bed. Get the camera out. Oh, let's film it. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm going to just record it. Oh, you've got a camera? Can I just quickly use it for a second and then we'll get on to it, Kincaid? Um, <laughs> and just continue on with the sex tape of him. <laughs> yeah, after the like, it cuts to static, and then it comes back up, and it's Kincaid holding the camera. Oh, let me go, put my teeth right, back Emma. in. Uh, wow! Well, uh, put a wig on it. You'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Fine. Seriously, needed a wig in this film. Um, but I, I don't get why she couldn't have told it. One, why? why who sent the tape? Why did she have to do it? Yeah, but anyway. Who sent it? it? it a... Yeah. <laughs> Who is she? Yeah, She's who is she? <laughs> um, But it's cool to have Judy back, isn't it? I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, I've written here in my note. Why does she keep Spectre a secret from others? Um, so Bond needs to disappear. Uh, Skiara's funeral is in three days in Rome. Uh Bond is hanging out with Tanner on the Thames, heading down. I've been there. Um, going down the into sitcom, the new... Tanner on the Thames is filmed in front of a live audience. <laughs> <laughs> Tanner on the Thames. Um, go... Tanner, this whole film, that's probably the most we'll ever talk about him. Uh, really shafted in this film, old Tanner, compared to his past few appearances. Um, so they head into the new Q Lab, which is kind of under. It, in the lab, uh, Bond gets his smart blood, which I feel like they already did that in a small microchip thing in Casino Royale, but whatever, smart blood tracks his locations. Uh, they're working on the DB5 in the background, you can see. One thing that really annoys me, you know my stance on Q, we don't want to go too much into it. I do think Q, if I'm being fair, he, he does do a much better job in this film compared to Skyfall, and their relationship is a bit better this time. But I'd hate the whole how Q makes a joke and he looks like an idiot. And that's not how Q should be. I know it's a different Q, but it should be. He's the one cracking jokes and he's on top and he's really cocky. And it's just, it comes off as just awkward. I don't know. It shouldn't be like that with Q. Um, it's the sexy Bond geek. Just, it's cute. The girls go yeah, for that. Just Bond, who's always the one who's kind of like, Look, look down on as stupid when you're in the Q lab. Um, I don't know. Uh, so Q's going to help Bond to disappear, um, and Bond sends Money Penny a gift, and we learn that her birthday was last week. Um, I'm not. I don't know why. What that line is? Is it supposed to tell that <laughs> M doesn't care? M's a bad boss. Um, is it just supposed to be a joke? I don't know. It's just kind of a random thing. Oh, my birthday was last week. Um, and, right. yeah, it is fun. Um, uh. And Bond steals the DB-10 and somehow gets it to Rome. But let's not get into well, there, that. There is uh, a tunnel between um, the UK and France. So, And France is next to Italy. That's true, but can you drive through that tunnel, though? Well, you can't exactly swim. That's like a tunnel for cars and trains, so... Well, I thought it was just the train. (laughs) No, people can drive from London to Rome. Yeah, that's true. No, to Paris. 
Well, and then Paris is next to like there, there's a country. This is Europe. All over again. <laughs> this country. This is why our episodes run for four and a half hours. <laughs> this is why this is Australia's only James Bond podcast. Don't ask me fucking things about Europe. So so typical Australian. You mean you can drive to another country, mate? You're not surrounded by water. What are they going to build the Australia New Zealand tunnel? <laughs> Never. Who would want to drive there? A tunnel, hey. <laughs> Well, that's a bot rot's driving that far. We don't want a tunnel over in our country. That will take six years to build. Uh, Just speak to Noah, please. Steals the DV10 and somehow drives it to Rome. I'm going to guess through the tunnel. Although in Goldfinger, they did drive their cars onto the plane. Could have have been the Aqua car from The Spy Who Loved Me. There's plenty of... It could have been a flying car from Man with the Golden Gun. There's plenty of options. Um, Maybe we'll cap it there. Um, Keep going. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about a few more bits. Um, So he's in Rome. How did he get there? He's at Scourer's funeral. We have the first little glimpse of Oberhauser, but it's not really much of him, really. Uh, It's just one little teaser. Uh, And we'll get to how much they should have or how much they did use um, Christoph Waltz in this film. Uh, Bond meets Lucia, and he's a bit of a dick to her at uh, the funeral of her her husband. Um, And, yeah, enter Monica Bellucci, exit Monica Bellucci. Um, Blinking your Yeah, we have a great scene with this opera music playing, and Lucia basically goes outside and is waiting to be killed. Uh, It's fantastic. I actually really enjoyed the soundtrack in this. I don't like opera, but just the soundtrack in general is something I really enjoyed in this fourth watch of the film. Um, And then Bond, another two kills there. you have Bond and Lucia in there. Bond, married women are Bond's type, so of course they get on. And we learn if you go there, you're crossing over to a place, blah, 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 from the trailer. And an awesome moment where he says, I've called an American friend of mine, Felix. And we were all thinking, oh, there's going to be a Felix cameo. But no. Um, so that heads Bond off into the trail of spectre um a bit to cover there but i really do enjoy all the setup i think it's paced really well monica bellucci people say she's underused i have mixed feelings i do feel like they could have used her a bit more but at the same time that was her role to be the secondary girl at the beginning of the film to either the secondary girl either has a joke kind of thing or to lead the plot on. Um, and she does that. I think they could have used her a bit more, but at the same time, what is her, where would they use her? This film is already the longest Bond film and there's so much they have crammed in. So I'm fine with it, but I do think they could have done a bit more. Um, so yeah, the opening kind of first quarter almost of the film, uh, first fifth maybe, yeah. It, it's all good from here. There's nothing I really can complain about from this moment. It's great kind of pacing. So the bit where we see the cat and we get the reveal as Blofeld's pretty good too, uh, since we've covered all of that. Um, <laughs> fuck, where are we? Um, yeah, I was going to ask about the sea bit. I honestly thought you two were going to like mock me. I'm like, oh, Ben, you're so dumb. It's so obvious. Um, so I- well, it was so obvious that it oh, was an in-joke between people who know about 1940s MI5. Absolutely. Just absolutely knew it. Um, 
yeah, the whole personal effects from Skyfall. I remember we complained a lot about that in the you know the trailer, and it's just like my place, nine o'clock. It's kind of like. Does Money Penny just not have anything better to do than go to Jane's Bond's house at nine o'clock? Like, well, we find out later she does. That's I, I reckon she was just like thinking it was going to be a booty call, but then she well, wasn't. So then she went to like that was double oh nine. That was double oh nine. Called life, uh, Bond. <laughs> um, that was Tanner. It was Tanner <laughs> on the Thames. That was another episode. <laughs> Tanner, a whole other show Yeah, like I, I've got someone with me, and they turn. The camera pans across and it's Tatter in bed. <laughs> Sneaking Hi. out in the background, trying to grab his pants. <laughs> um, so what, this is, what, the third time we've ever seen James Bond's um, apartment, isn't it? After, what, Dr. No and Live and Let Die. I was waiting for Sylvia Trench to be in there playing golf, to be honest. Um, uh, that would be great. At some point there, throwback. Um, is Eunice Grayson still alive? Yeah, she is. If, I mean, if I'm James Bond, I'm going to be pretty pissed off with that message from M. Because like, you, you kind of said it, Noah, like, oh, she's known about Spectre all along. Like, wouldn't you be like... Why are you leaving me a cryptic message, you bitch? Like, just be like, oh, he's part of this organisation called Spectre. You need to stop them because they're really bad. And this person, this person. Oh, by the way, Oberhauser isn't really dead. He's actually still alive. <laughs> like, rather than just... But why be- didn't she just tell him? Why exactly. wasn't that just one of his missions? Exactly. Why is she just like, find him, kill him, don't miss the funeral, the end. <laughs> like, it seems like a bit of a waste. Of, like, what has she written? Has she gotten to, like, her personal secretary? Like, I mean, Mitchell's dead, so whoever's replaced Mitchell, it's like, oh, by the way, when I die, make sure this goes to James Bond. Like, what if that person forgot? What if what if that was Mitchell's job? Mitchell is dead, and Mitchell's replacement never got the memo. James Bond's never going to get that DVD, and then James Bond's never going to go on this mission. And It was a Blu-ray, actually. A oh, Blu-ray. Of course, it's a Sony movie. Um, and, like, do you, don't you just love it how, like, you know, um, what was the line there from Moneypenny? You've got, I think you've got a secret. It's something you won't tell anyone. That's called a secret, Moneypenny. You don't tell people secrets. Like, no Do you think uh, M had a blooper reel on her DVD of her trying to do the, oh, shit, I messed up again. Oh, bugger. Do it again. No, 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 no. Can I press record? Mitchell. Um... But, the blooper and reel. Why, and the, the making of. Why is it just sitting? I am. I'm recording my message. I've been writing it. It's a reality a show. She has a confessional. Oh, so when I was recording this message, I was really nervous because I was wondering how I might die. Uh, more special features on her DVD than the Spectre Blu-ray. There's I a hear. judge sitting there just going, hmm, I really liked your delivery of that line to James there, M. Um, but, like, why does he have it queued up in his DVD player ready to press play? Like what if well, what if Money Penny didn't did show up? Around at nine. <laughs> well, true. Oh shit, Money Penny's gonna be here. Better put the Blu-ray in and got them popcorn. <laughs> um Anyway, we're being too uh, nitpicky on it, perhaps. Um and then Money Penny wants to be her mole. Now look, we're gonna talk about this, no doubt, the fact that James Bond is stealing Austin Powers plots. But we're we not just expecting James Bond to just be like Mole Molly 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 <laughs> Just like maybe that was just me, obviously. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Oh my goodness, James Bond really is just completely stealing everything from Austin Powers. Um, yeah, the the blown up MI6. Um, I love how like uh, Bond says that C's new digs, and then Tanner's like, "Yes, it is." How does Tanner know his name is C? Like Bond came up with that name. Does, does Tanner get he like come a- up with it? We're- 
We established this. That's the name of the people who lead MI5, and that was Denby's job in this M- movie. M at a meeting later on does refer to him as C. There's a memo that's gone out to, like, you know, underneath the emails that says stationary order. It's like, oh, FYI, Denby's called Name C. <laughs> Just- I found it on Google in five minutes, and that's a real story. <laughs> You're expecting in this movie people are going to be confused. I really like the little scene where they're going under and they're in the water in the boat. And then when um, Tanner's like, oh, mine just stepped, it's a little bit slippery. And he holds out his hand for like Bond yeah. to get up. And yeah. Bond just snubbed. <laughs> and that look on Tanner's face, he's like, oh, Bond will never touch me. Uh, I just like <laughs> that. Da, 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 da. Tanner on the Thames. Mwah, mwah, mwah. The whole Q situation, I like the bit when it's like, oh, you might feel a bit of Christ prick. Um, that's kind of funny. Um, again, like, similar to Casino Royale, like, tracking, like, God, they like to microchip their agents, don't they, MI6? They really don't trust them. Um, I like, you know, reassigned, like, Q's a bit of a prick here, if we're going to be honest. He's like, oh, I've got to show you something. And he's like, your brand new car, and Bond's, like, getting an erection, like, oh, fuck, this is going to pick up the chicks. And then, like, he's just like... Not for you anymore, naughty boy. 009's got it now. And then it's like, I love the watch. And it's just like, oh, does it do anything? It tells the time. Um, <laughs> but like the alarm is kind of loud. Again, what is it with spies speaking in code? Just say, oh, oh by the way, it's a bomb. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, are there others in QLab who aren't allowed to know that they made a bomb? <laughs> what if well, that train driver what, from I... Skyfall's in Asia? She's going to be like, Duh, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I know that we're going to talk about the watch again but that should be noted uh literally last film exploding pens oh we don't go in for that anymore this film exploding watch <laughs> and like this cue's literally a- one film this cue is a dick because like desmond llewellyn would explain stuff like oh it's got a grappling hook oh you press this you've got a laser like this cue's like a- he's a prick like he speaks in code and he tells jokes and like <laughs> no stop being an asshole you wanker He's been going to the Judy Dench M School of Acting <laughs> and Code yes. Riddling. Um and yeah, I don't I don't get the whole I believe I asked you to bring it back in one in one piece, not one piece or like he laughs. Like, yeah, that's a bit stupid, but whatever. Oh. Um I although I do like the you know, I also have a mortgage and two cats to feed and what he's just like, Oh, you know, think of the cats. And we discover that Q has a fear of postcards. Um I'll send you a postcard. Please don't <laughs> like he's, ter- he's afraid to fly. He has a fear of postcards. This is a quirky guy. Um, I like the whole money penny. My birthday was last week. I think that's kind of like a nice little funny moment. I mean, I'm I'm not up as I didn't dislike it. I was just questioning. I'm not up as much as you guys are on money penny. I I don't think she's that brilliant really in this film. But um, you know, um, uh, where else are we up to? He's in Rome. Yep. Uh, no number plates on the car. Like the Italian police can't track him. Um, and this funeral, like. He's on time to it. They're walking through this thing. You know, Blofeld overhouses there, great. And they walk off all in unison. And they all just leave. This poor grieving widow just standing there. Just like, you know, it's not a very um, social bunch of people, is it? Um, I still think M... Why can't they just terrorists, on there? What do you expect? <laughs> social... Well, ISIS have Christmas parties, I'm sure. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Why didn't they... Just get on there, like shoot him and take him. Well, exactly. Like he's right there. But anyway, um, there was still more pain to offer. 
if you didn't want to the gun. <laughs> hadn't finished the book yet. Done. Um, yeah, it's still on chapter 10. I think M has more time on screen in this film than Monica Bellucci does. But, um... Yeah, oh, easily. I love I love her house, and yeah, I'm I'm up there with the sound. I think the soundtrack is actually a fairly good soundtrack. Actually, it grows in you if you listen to it a little bit more. Um, and the whole scene with Bond like betting Bellucci. Um, I mean, that, look, we, that could have realistically been Terry Hatcher because we talked about that. Tom- Tomorrow never dies. That Monica Bellucci screen tested for Paris Carver. Um, what what's her husband's name? <laughs> it was a dream to be a James John. John <laughs> <laughs> He's watching this going, oh, that could have been Terry. Um, <laughs> John Tenney had a dream he married Monica Bellucci. <laughs> That's the sequel. I love the bit where she slaps him and he throws down the glasses. It's like, oh, shit's getting real right now. That's that's kind of cool. Um, and, yeah, the Felix bit, oh, God, that was just like, oh, my God, Felix is coming. And we don't get to see him. So, once again, we're cock-teased about poor old Felix. Um, and we don't actually get to, and, and like, I think, like, I kind of see what you're saying, Noah, like everybody says about Monica Blue should have more screen time. And yeah, I probably agree with that. It's kind of like we talked about in Tomorrow Never Dies with Terry Hatcher, like what more could have she added to the film? I think she's on there for a perfect amount of time, but I think maybe like generally the Monica Bellucci type of character gets killed, you know? So, I mean, you know, maybe we get one extra scene of her being dead or something. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's kind of like she's in it for all of a couple of minutes and then she's out of it. And, again, she's being touted as like, oh, that's kind of weird that she wasn't killed. I don't understand why not. Because she's going to come back in the next film as somebody else. Uh, Granny Bellucci. Blofeld's wife. Um, Maybe she'll be bunt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we get rid of the, the negative eating of meat or whatever the fuck she says. But, you yeah, know. Chicken. <laughs> chicken. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. I just waffled on about all that. But, yeah, cool. It's great. Monica Bellucci. Um, and she looks really, really great in that um, lingerie for a 50-something-year-old. How many nipples were? We No nipples. <laughs> Again, nippleless film. Except for Craig. Yeah, Craig stealing all the nipple action. Not <laughs> <laughs> uh, to you two I don't know how much I have to add. I mean, this is just the setup of the movie. There was one thing I noticed, and I only noticed it on this most recent watch, is how it's it's almost like they set something up that they didn't follow through with. Maybe there's some deleted scenes, but it's very clear that Bond doesn't trust Mallory's M at the beginning of this movie. You know, he's he's very cocky with him and talking back in his office. Um, he trusts Moneypenny to let her know what his mission is, but he's still saying to M, no, I was just on vacation. Uh, is it M or is it the fact that C has taken over? Well, it's. I think it's definitely M because he's he's willing to trust Q. He's willing to trust Money Penny, but he's not willing to trust his boss. And his boss actually has his back. The the problem I have isn't necessarily that he doesn't trust him. It's the fact that later in the movie he just randomly starts trusting him, and there's no explanation why because this was so clearly set up that he didn't even want to bring M in on this. So I just wish that they had followed through on that. Uh, Cause I kind of like that idea that it would take him a while to get used to Mallory as M. Um, I, I love Naomi Harris as money penny. Like I full fledged love her. I think that she's actually my favorite bond girl. Hey, in this that movie. Valentine's day. That's right. I spent my Valentine's day <laughs> pining over Naomi Harris as my <laughs> wife was out with another woman. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, that scene, I mean, it just, the whole dynamic with Bond and Moneypenny works now. You know, 
Ben, you talked about how you, you get the cue they're doing something different. They're definitely doing something different with Bond and Money Penny, but it's the same thing. It's the flirtation thing. But I think this is one of the reasons why Samantha Bond didn't work, <gasps> and that's that one of the yes, many reasons. That's one of the many reasons. Not just short hair. You take other that back, Colin Hill. You take it back. <laughs> but let's be honest. Does just the whole come in and kind of have some funny lines, flirting and bantering? Does that work after fifty years? I don't think it does anymore. I think you have to do something different, and well, they've done it right. Though, just for our time, he say. Well, and I would like that. I mean, it would have been nice if we had just one line between them, but I really love what they're doing now with the new Money Penny and the new Bond, and that it's it's very subtle, but it's also like they they've upped it. These two genuinely are ready to just rip into each other at every given moment. But at the same time, they're indifferent enough that she's like, yeah, yeah, I have a life bond. I mean, that's getting to it later on. But I just love the way they played. And even just I bad the bomb was on a date in GoldenEye. Yeah, well, they they both they both have people on the what side. What am I it's doing defending free. Samantha Bond? Yay, Who is learning. she? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love the way that they play together. And, and every time I see this movie, that moment, even though the scene doesn't end up being about that, that moment where Bond just she's like oh here's your personal effects from skyfall and he's like later and she's like what do you mean it's like my place nine o'clock like it's just that's such a bond thing to do and i always just get a kick out of him because that's a sean connery like line there um am on the tv i hate this i honestly hate it uh i don't even care that it's judy dench coming back i would rather her just have the send-off and not have to have a cheesy cameo it doesn't make sense, as you even pointed out, it doesn't make sense how he could just cue this up and it's on the TV right there. Uh, why is she leaving this message? It, it totally, there's a lot of moments in this movie, and I think it's more because this movie does take itself seriously, whereas we've had ones, I'm not going to say Die Another Day, because that was just awful for completely other reasons. But there are other movies where we can suspend disbelief because the movie suspends disbelief. This movie, that's one of the problems, is that it's just, it's it's a bipolar movie. At times, it's so ridiculous, and at times, it takes itself really seriously, and it just doesn't work together. Um, but the Q scene, I'm surprised that you guys aren't more on board with this. I actually really love this Q scene, and I think that I was a bit more sold on him the first time I saw this, but every time I see this, I find more and more to like about Ben Wishaw's Q and it is a little bit different, like you said, you know, Desmond Llewellyn's not going to be making a bad joke, but it's kind of an interpretation of what Desmond Llewellyn would do. And uh, I like they're doing it differently, and I like that they're not trying to make him the cool cue. Like, last time it was a misstep because he was so cocky that it was just obnoxious, whereas now he's almost kind of unsure of himself. You know, he he's a little bit afraid of Bond, is what I gather. Like, when Bond's saying, or he's telling Bond, you know, uh, you'll have the odd drop out for you know 48 hours and bonds just look at him and like, oh, i mean 72 and he's like i'll send you a postcard please don't like he's a bit intimidated by bond and he's easily pushed around and i love the bad joke that he made about bring it back in one piece especially when he just laughs to himself awkwardly like this is what's gonna set his cue apart is that he's a bit of a dork and i love that they're, they're not trying to make him this fully confident guy and even the little bits like bond picking up the gun like yeah it's not a full Q lab gadget scene, but Bond picking up this gun and Q just taking away from him like he's a child. Little bits like that are fantastic. Um, the funeral scene, yeah, this stuff's really good in the movie. I actually put that I think 
not necessarily the funeral, but the the second scene of the second of two scenes Monica Bellucci has in this movie, the assassination scene. That's one of the best scenes in the entire movie, especially that moment with the opera music playing, and then you have the two guys ready to shoot her, and then the two shots in the background, which was in the trailer, and it's it's just fantastic timing in there with the guys just dropping dead, and then you see Bond. I love that moment. My issue, I want to talk a little bit about the Monica Bellucci thing here, because my issue is that I don't think whether she's Monica Bellucci or anybody else, that Lucia Sciarra is even a secondary Bond girl. Because I, I looked at the time on my Blu-ray player. Um, oh, on my Blu-ray she, player. That's right. Not my computer without foreign subtitles. Um, <laughs> we'll get oh it later. Plane. Wow. Or, my or the one without history. sound effects that we found in December. That's right. I saw this on IMAX. Can you guys say that? We saw it in Cinema One at Village Cinemas Hobart. <laughs> Which is a step up from Cinema Snug, With someone I guess. Else. It was better than Cinema 3 for Star Wars The Force Awakens. All you guys have to say is, I didn't spend Valentine's Day alone. <laughs> <laughs> but the the problem I have here is that Monica Bellucci shows up at about 31 minutes into this movie, and she's gone at 38 minutes. She has six or seven minutes of screen time, and a lot of it is just her standing there as stuff is happening on screen. Not that she's not the, the focal point of the scenes, but her standing there for two minutes at a funeral and not saying anything, I mean, that barely counts. I would love to go back and see if Plenty O'Toole actually has more screen time, because I'm pretty sure Plenty O'Toole at least had more dialogue. And I made a case that Plenty O'Toole wasn't a secondary bond. I... I think just because she is, you know, the one who got all the publicity doesn't mean that she's a secondary Bond girl. I think but that Estrella... The opening shot of Estrella is six minutes, and at least it's not cutting away from her. And yeah, I get that she's part of the plot, but I think you could have made her a bigger character. If you look at some of the other Bond movies where they, they're doing this juggling of two Bond girls, it's usually one is in the movie, and then when she's gone, the other one comes in. It's like well in, uh, an hour into the movie, I think, before um, Leia Sadu shows up. Why not just keep Monica Bellucci around a little bit longer? I mean, why not just make her the one Bond girl? I think this is a Tracy-like character, even more so than Madeline Swan is. Mm. I would love to see a movie where Bond falls in love with uh, Skiara's widow, and she's the one who ends up being Tracy in the end that he leaves for. I think that's a great movie. And the, the, the most interesting thing I'd like to get an opinion on is, are people disappointed because Monica Bellucci is such a big star, and because she was publicized so much as being in this movie, she probably got more hype behind her than anybody else in this movie outside of Daniel Craig. Is that the reason why people are disappointed? Because I think that's all it came down to. There was so much hype behind her, and then there's just nothing for her to well, do in this movie. Is that... If this was a nobody actress, people probably wouldn't care that she's gone so quickly. But I mean, again, I mean, I think if this it's, was it's... Hannah Stokely, people would be furious. But I mean, yeah, Hannah Stokely auditioned <laughs> for this part. I think kind of John Tenney had a dream that Hannah Stokely would be a Bond girl. It's so similar. <laughs> I mean, we joked about the whole Terry Hatcher and all that sort of stuff, and it was kind of very ironic that you know Monica Bellucci tried out for Paris Carver. But I think a lot of that was with Tomorrow Never Dies, wasn't it? I mean, Terry Hatcher was a huge star at the time, and kind of it was so heavily billed like. Terry Hatcher's a Bond girl. But even then, Paris is in a fair bit. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah Paris is a lot more than... Compared, than oh, yeah, mm-hmm. but I, it's still, like, the star power, I guess, behind it, you know. It's like, um, like I mean, they could have put 
fucking, I don't know, Julia Roberts in this role and it still would have been talked about. I mean, Julia Roberts is more famous than Monica Bellucci, but it's, it's I, I think a lot of it is the star power, the fact that Monica Bellucci, and, like, she was doing the press tours and all this sort of stuff and going along and doing the interviews and that. And, like, as you said, at the end of the day, she's only in this for, what, six minutes or whatever it is. So, that's yeah. it. <laughs> is that all we want to talk about with Monica? We talked um, more about Monica Bellucci well, than she appeared on we the screen. About her. <laughs> we talked about her for longer than she's in this movie. Yeah, I don't know if people are disappointed. I just think they, a lot of people thought they could have used her a bit more. But I think most people knew she was going to be the secondary Bond girl. Um, Less than Plenty O'Toole? Hey! <laughs> You leave plenty this, out of perverts this. convention. Yeah. <laughs> what was that line from Monica? I'm Monica. Uh, Monica Bellucci. Well, I do have one more one more thing to say on it. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure that almost anybody uh, would be behind this, but they really upped their game with the love scenes in this movie. <laughs> like the way they, like you mentioned, him throwing the glasses down, him slowly backing her into the mirror. Like the way even he says the Bond, James Bond, like. They did a really good job of making these two uh, look like they were ready to have sex. Uh, that, did you write that note on Valentine's Day? <laughs> they are ready <laughs> to have sex. <laughs> I wish I were involved in this. <laughs> I wish I was pinned up against a mirror right now. <laughs> Jamie uh, comes home the next day and I just throw the glasses on the ground Hilding Colin, why did you buy a Colin octopus? Hilding and She's like, get off me, get off me <laughs> Tell um, me who he is <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey, if you go there, there's no coming back um, Irish That was Irish <laughs> Oh, Pieces not to be lucky back. charms, Colin Not to be lucky charms I don't bond, James I forgotten you, eh? <laughs> I didn't know Monica Bellucci played a leprechaun. <laughs> if you go there, there's no coming back. <laughs> They're called Spectre. Oh, diddly dee potatoes. That would have made that would have made this film if Monica Bellucci was a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next film. You're so uh, short, of, Monica. Speaking of leprechauns, I'm Mickey Mouse. Who are you? Um... <laughs> Bond heads to the Spectre base, which, again, I mentioned this in the Quantum episode. Quantum had to go these lengths of having meetings at the opera and stuff like this. These people, just a house in Italy, pretty much. Um, I liked the Mickey Mouse line the first time. I have completely gone off that. That's just... I, I don't get it. It's a lazy... Like... Purvis and Wade, oh, what's a funny thing we could write? Oh, how about I'm Mickey Mouse? Like, <laughs> what is the joke? Like, like I'm willing to change my opinion if someone tells me the joke, but from what I can gather, it's just him saying I'm Mickey Mouse and there's no backs. Like, <laughs> the, the reference is about 80 years too old at this point. Um, I just... Yeah, again, if someone ex- actually explains the joke to me, I, I maybe I can change my opinion, but I've there, completely gone off this joke. I don't know. I, I think that there's a deleted scene in the second episode. I'm Mickey Mouse, and he goes, and I'm Arnold Palmer. <laughs> yeah. I'm Arnold Palmer. Someone, someone needs to re-edit that so that that Italian guy says, and I'm Arnold Palmer. <laughs> and I'm Mickey Mouse. Yeah, we need a bond. I'm Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Does Mickey Mouse have any one-liners besides I'm Mickey? 
What are you what doing? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Minnie, touch me there. What is this? A pretty the awesome. Oh, your brain. Someone needs to read all the Blowfield lines to have Mickey Mouse. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, James! I'm the of all your pain! When they you come across me so many times, you, you never saw me! But I it's Daryl Blowfield! Someone get on to that. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I've gone off that. I thought it was funny the first time. Completely, that's one of my least favorite lines of the movie now. Because I just I just don't understand it. Um <laughs> like, what? Uh, so we have the boardroom meeting, Hall of Fame. Um, it's great. It's so good. Um, I love this one so much. Um, there's a lot of uh, bits that Ben wouldn't know with subtitles here because he got <laughs> I a no faulty blue. <laughs> um, and then we enter the leader who's kind of sitting there. Uh, Franz Oberhauser, Bond's just looming on. This was part of the trailer. We were already talking this up before the film even came. Then the guy offers and to take over and look for, what is it, look for the Pale King. And then Mr. Hinks comes in and says, anyone wants to challenge me? Oh, just at the right time, Hinks walks in, gouges the guy's eyes out with these weird thumbtacks things, which is a good scene, uh... It's no Game of Thrones uh, that they've done that similar thing, but it's good. Um, and the meeting goes on, and then we have probably the greatest moment of the film. Maybe you two would challenge that, but I think it's probably the greatest moment of the film when we have, welcome, James. It's been a long time, ding, but ding, finally ding, here we ding. are. What took you so long? Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, we didn't have the lullaby... Uh, music in there did we in the end no. uh, that was in the trailer which I have got mixed I think that would have been good but at the same time it's so perfect the way it is and just the long pauses finally here we are what took you so long ding 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes so yeah I don't know I'd love to see that re-edited with the lullaby Bond music to see if it would work but this scene is so the way he looks up welcome James it's just so good I love this scene so much uh, I'm putting in the hall of fame and if you challenge that then I quit if any of it last. challenges it then I'll quit too because that's bullshit it's a hall of fame moment settled <laughs> it's, it's, yeah it's in there there we go we just cut one segment off the end done we yeah. just need to find well, two last so we're all quitting. Like, um, <laughs> Good it's thing it's not. the last recap. Craig leaves, I'm uh, gone. So, yeah, James McMahon gets spotted. Uh, I love it. And then how are we going to take away from this amazing, tense, really terrifying scene? We have the guy coming in and saying, Chow, Mickey Mouse, and trying to punch him. Yeah, the Mickey Mouse thing from start to finish, I just think takes away from it. Um Bond escapes, and we have a car chase through Rome, which I have mixed feelings about because the pacing is horrible in the chase, I feel, because it's constantly cutting between Money Penny and Bab with the tanner on the Thames, and um, <laughs> dun, 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 we've got dun, dun. The, the jokes, which are funny. The 009's music is pretty funny. Uh, the old guy blocking the path is pretty hilarious when he, he Bond speeds up. And then the guy stops right at the thing and the airbag, that's like a classic Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Bond thing. Um, so there's a lot of funny stuff going on, but then I feel like the actual visuals of 
oh, this film's going to have a great big Rome car chase. I feel like it's kind of lost, and we'll get to that with some of the other action sequences. So I do enjoy the car chase, but I don't know if it was done the best they could have done it. It's kind of a bit like Colin mentioned how this film is a bit bipolar in some ways. I feel like that could be applied to the car chase. Um, we learn that the Pale King is Mr. White, um, and he was last sighted in Austria, um, and he also wants her to look up Franz Overhauser even after his death, and maybe we'll cap it there just because this boardroom scene is so good, but, well, also, we have this kind of Tokyo meeting with C and M and Tanner and the, the quick news report, like, uh, the press in Italy are super quick to get on the reporting of this car. Unlike uh, in that chase. other country he was in, in Skyfall, it took like a day to let them know that London had been bombed. Yeah, they're good in Italy. Um, so there's also that little sound. I'm not sure if there's actually anything to add there. Um, but then Bond is off to Austria to look for Mr. White. Um, yeah, as we all said, Hall of Fame. I just love that quote of Welcome James and just it's so tense and amazing. I love it. Well, as you mentioned, I had a version of this where I had no subtitles, so the only bit that I could understand of any of the Italian was a Mickey Mouse. Um You should send that Blu ray back. I know, it was a very yeah. poorly <laughs> put together Blu ray. Um like you know, they Sony sent me an early copy and it doesn't have subtitles. Fuck you, Sony. Um, I love the fact that all you need is a ring to like enter this place. Like, I bought a, I got a Spectre ring for Christmas off eBay. So, like, if Spectre was a real thing, I could just like, hey, look at me, I've got this ring. Um, and I just that's what just people bad. say when they get their ring too. <laughs> as soon as they use your Spectre ring, hey, look, hey, me, look at me. <laughs> or Vicky Mouse would say, hey, look at me, guy, I'm Spectre. One Italian guy who was a huge. Octopussy fan who had an octopusy custom ring ended up in a Spectre boy. He's like, What's happening? What am I doing here? I'm child bear. That's my little octopusy. That's what, yeah, that's what, the, instead of Mickey Mouse, it should have been a callback. He should have said, That's my little octopusy. <laughs> um, there's so much to love about this scene. Like, I just love the fact when, like, Oberhauser comes in and it's so quiet and he just sits and he doesn't say anything and it's so sinister and all he has to do is, like, tilt his head and it's like, beckon someone over to talk to him and then the guy who's talking who I swear is bloody what's his name from um oh I can't remember which one it is but like he he rocks up and says something and you know and then they're talking about who will replace um what's his name Skiera whatever um and then you've got that weird guy who's just sitting there like waiting for his like chance to take over you know the world and go after um the pale king and all this sort of stuff but no, no, in comes Mr. Dave Batista and comes in and gouges his eyes out. And, like, there's nobody blinks, especially not the guy whose eyes are getting popped out. Um, it's just so, just so sinister and dark, and it's, it's like, it's so awesome. Um, but yeah, that, that, that scene, like, I remember talking about in the trailers, uh, the trailer episodes when he, like, turns and he's like, Welcome, James. We've been expecting you. And then just the way he turns and you see his face in the shadows, like, that is legitimate shitting my pants moment right there. That is freaky. That is that is your dream, your nightmare. I think, Noah, you were saying this in one of the episodes that, like, you're in a room and everybody all of a sudden starts staring at you and it's just all like, Oh, shit, no. Oh. 
Um, so, I mean, that's just, it's just so well shot. It's brilliant. And it, I think that was Colin Yubosa. I was about to say that was me, but I was going to let Noah Well, take I mean, let's, like, let's just back up a second and go. Like, you just gave Colin credit for saying it was a bipolar episode. That was me who said that, by the way. But anyway. I think that was Colin. No, I'm pretty sure it was me. No, well, I said <laughs> the bipolar line. <laughs> I've got it written in my notes. So I, sure. I said the bipolar line, and then you were like, yeah, yeah, it is, eh? <laughs> Um, <laughs> from him on the actual <laughs> let's rewind and hear that bit right now to prove that I'm right but yeah not much um, to add because uh, uh, I don't know how I feel about this at the end of the sentence to be honest it's, it's an ever changing movie <laughs> the bipolar bond movie yeah <laughs> and if I wasn't right then I just edited something in there. yeah we didn't uh, hear anything <laughs> Oh God! Anyway, it's me uh, that said that. Uh, no, <laughs> you just had an edited version of me going like Colin's about to say it's bipolar, and it's like bipolar. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, the 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 car chasing bit, like I, I I I this is one of the bits that I really think gets better each time. Like I mean, yeah, I can see what you're saying about the pacing, but it's just it's so enjoyable, and it's just such a throwback to, to classic Bond with the humour and everything mixed in it, and I just love the fact that he's, like, trying to shoot all this stuff, and it's like, ammunition not loaded, and he's like, oh, you've got to be kidding, and then, like, he presses another button, dun, 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 dun. Like, <laughs> music enabled for double O. So it's double and o- it's under atmosphere, as in, like, let's set the mood, <laughs> girl. Double and I just cruising dun, dun. the streets, like, going, hey, let's listen to some classic Some Frank. Colin, you need to re-edit that, uh, when he presses it, sunshine, lollipop. <laughs> yes. No, I think you need to re-edit it. Nong comes like the writing's on the wall. Oh, you've got to be kidding! Me. <laughs> or, nobody does it better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the whole getting stuck behind the guy, that's, like, fucking hilarious. And, like, we're getting throwbacks to Tilly with a beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and, like, pushing him out of the way. And, oh, it's so funny. Um, and then I just love the whole Bond money penny. Like, who is that? Who was that at this time of night? Who is he? <laughs> yes. Who is he? <laughs> Tanner on the Thames. Da, 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 da. Um... <laughs> And then just kind of like when he sees him, oh, Mr. White, of course. Like, I love how, like, they're so in the dark with Spectre and everything, but all it takes is just, like, a brief little information, and bang, there is everything. And we'll get to that with Q with the ring. Like, oh, shit, it's been on the system all the time. Thanks, M, for sharing all these details with your cryptic Blu-ray that you sent us before. Um... But yeah, the the chase didn't have subtitles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the ejector seat bit, and um, you know, good evening. Why doesn't what's his name, Mister Hinks, like actually like look up into the sky? Like, surely he sees him ejecting and doesn't assume he's like floating at the bottom of the Rome River, whatever it's called. I I don't know, like about that bit. But um, yeah, no, I I think it's great. It grows on me each time, and um, yeah, I I think it's a, it's a fun scene. Um, I'll get back to the car chase in a second, but I think he, he Hinks didn't notice Bond ejecting because his car was on fire at that moment. But that's <laughs> just speculating. Ooh, <laughs> details. <laughs> um, going back to, I mean, we've talked so much about that boardroom scene that it's almost like there's nothing else to add, but yet there still is. Um, yeah, I, I do remember saying the whole thing about the nightmare, and every time I see that, I think the exact same thing. It's like you're having a terrible dream and then just everybody turns on you in the dream. It's just, it's so creepy. And it's the one scene in the movie that were, there are a lot of scenes in this movie that run on longer than they should. And that's one where like it runs on a long time and the pacing is very slow, but 
I wouldn't mind if this thing were five, ten minutes longer. Like, I could watch all day. Like, Sam Mendes, that is maybe his greatest scene. Up there with at least one sequence of Road to Perdition, I think, is, like, the greatest scene he's ever directed. And the plastic um, bag. It was not the plastic bag, no. <laughs> um, Road to Perdition didn't have a plastic bag. He, he retired the plastic bag after American Beauty. Well, that, that actually, um, interesting enough, that plastic bag retired from acting. It was um, it was too famous, and he had just he had to he had to walk away from films. <laughs> uh, it was the first ever plastic bag to win an Academy Award, though, so we should note that. <laughs> and he was right when uh, he gave that in his expected acceptance. Yes, I'm, right. I'm the first openly plastic, plastic bag, bag to win an Oscar. Theme song. <laughs> you don't have anybody tweeting that plastic bag going, "Well, Elton John won an Oscar." <laughs> um yeah hinks's entrance is i think just as iconic as some of the best villain entrances i don't know if henchmen really get introductions like that and i love that he does because as about that famous one odd job come over here yeah (laughs) odd job um this is vargas he does not make love And Mid poor Jaffin. Mr. Jetty, no one ever mentions him. No one mentions who? Mr. Jetty, Vargas's friend. Vargas had a friend? I don't even remember. Oh, now I remember. Yeah, there we There's go. There's two of them, but only yeah. people bring up poor Vargas. No one brings up Mr. Jetty. Well, nobody ever remembers Sandor. He was one half of a dynamic duo. <laughs> Pyramids! <laughs> but, like, let's be honest. If if you really look at this movie, Hinks has not a lot to do. He's a very small part of this movie. And without that introduction, he's just as forgettable as all the other henchmen like Patrice or, you know, whoever the Elvis. quantum Elvis or whatever in quantum. He's he's made by that introduction. And no, I remember. I think it was you. If not, I've just <laughs> gave credit to something Ben said. Uh-oh. <laughs> Somebody said in one of our past Spectre episodes that they wish that that was his gimmick, you know, like Jaws bit people, that he just kept crushing people's eyes. And I kind of agree. I wish that we'd had at least one more scene of him trying to do that to Bond or even trying to do that to Madeline or something. It would have been a great gimmick. And I think he's a character who could have lasted a bit longer in the movie, but it works because of that introduction. Um, No argument on Hall of Fame for that. Not even a joke. That is the easiest choice I think we've ever had. The car chase... It's funny because I picked up on exactly what you picked up on, Noah, but I loved it, whereas you hated it, um, or maybe just disliked it. I didn't it, hate it. Yeah, but disliked it. That's what I like best about it. I, I, I couldn't help but really be uh, drawn to the fact this time that it had so many things going on. There was moments where it was funny, moments where it was tense, moments where it was still creepy, and they're playing back-to-back, and it works while they're still putting exposition out there with Money Penny on the phone. Uh, that's what I like best about this car chase scene. And I, I was thinking this was would have been another suggestion for Hall of Fame mm. on my part. I, I'm, I get a feeling now that's going to be out of the question. But I love this sequence because of how much is going on in there. And I, the whole atmosphere thing, like... I just love that there's pre-programmed playlists for these guys. Like, you have to wonder what Bonds is. You know it's not going to be Beatles because he's be wearing <laughs> the earmuffs. But we've never got Beaver. an idea about what be- what B- Beatles are, what Bond likes to listen to. So I want to hear what so. Bond's playlist is. And how many other ones are there out there? Like, you said Sam Smith. Like, Is it just going to go through all the way? Like, here's the Radiohead playlist for 002 and... 003, all like I Ellie wanted Coolbank. was a sweet temptation. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, who has All Time High in there? <laughs> who was the singer of All Time High again? If you uh, asked me to. Oh, it's Rita, no. We are going to replace our podcast now with just stupid videos of songs being played when they shouldn't be played <laughs> in Bond movies. Um, but, I mean, last but not least... <laughs> that's, that's, we're finished up the film recaps. That's, that's what right. we've got coming next. <laughs> you officially know that we have no life if that's literally what we're about to do next. Our 28 well, fans on our Valentine's Facebook page... Day, we'll spend a day doing that. Spectre, etc. Uh, do not do that. <laughs> so... Actually, they'll probably uh, start doing it once we do it, but anyway. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Hi, guys. Anyways. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Um, Spectra, etc. are the Mr. Janney to our Vargas. <laughs> <laughs> They're the standard to our Jaws? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of unfair. <laughs> the, um, the Elvis no, to our no Rings? More. I don't know. Um, yeah. There's the, yeah. In all honesty, the Mitchell to our going... Ronson. In all honesty, they're not going on about funny songs that could fit in James Bond movies, so I think we're the... We're the, the sand Or yeah. the second three by mice to the third three by mice. We are the Davidov of podcasts. <laughs> hey, come on. Nobody deserves that, Ben. Yeah, we're, we're not good the enough. second we're wife not, of John Tenney. We're not good enough to be that... <laughs> that is. Uh, last but not least, the, the wonderful things that you get out of an IMAX experience that just... Do not get translated seeing it. Uh, I have to say, I came out of this in the IMAX thinking the greatest moment of this movie was Money Penny and her panties on an IMAX screen. And (laughs) don't get the same effect on a TV. So I want this to have an IMAX re release just to see Money Penny. Valentine's Day, Colin is starting to get. (laughs) I'm really affected by that. It just wasn't the same on my TV. I want Money Penny's panties on a big screen. (laughs) <laughs> There's the episode title right there. There's an episode title. <laughs> I want Money Penny's panties on the big screen. Dash Spectre. Money hey, Penny's panties. The episode. IMAX Final. experience. Go out with a bang. Money Penny's panties in 3D. <laughs> yeah, that's the spin-off. The Jinx spin-off never happened, but Money Penny's panties is just <laughs> that's right. Played by the plastic bag. <laughs> In his acting return, the most anticipated return in acting. He is the first. Now that would make him the first transgender plastic bag to ever win an Academy Award. Well, keeping up with time. I'm the first transgender plastic bag to win an Oscar. No, you're not. Why is he Mickey Mouse? <laughs> Christoph Waltz is a transgender plastic bag. What Christoph Waltz is playing the plastic bag in a film about hey, in a biopic could, about plastic Christoph bag? Christoph Waltz could play a floating turd and he'd win an Oscar. I am plastic bag. As everybody <laughs> tunes see to Spectre, etc. Right now, <laughs> this is why nobody <laughs> listens to us. This is why we only have twenty eight fans on Facebook. We're talking about transvestite plastic bags and transgender, <laughs> not transvestite. Oh, transgender, sorry. <laughs> Transgender plastic bags. There's the episode title. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going out with a bang. The final episode. I blame uh, Sam Smith. Get, yeah. Um, what you like, Sam Smith? <laughs> I blame Sam Smith. <laughs> oh, thought we were about to have a confession. He's the then. first wow. openly gay singer to be mentioned on a podcast. No, I just can't tell. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well. Oh, I was going to make a witty joke about a past Bond singer, but I can't even. I can't even think. Um, so let's move on um, from 
transgender plastic bags. And let's talk about the meeting with Mr. White in Austria. Somehow Bond knows exactly where to go. Um, and really, come on, people. This is so unoriginal. A person called Mr. White uh, hiding away in a cabin in the snow while he tries to keep himself alive. Um, yeah, where did they get that idea from? Um where are you kite. That from? I'm not sure where you're going with that. Oh, Ben would know. Yes. Yeah, I can tell he knows. <laughs> What's uh, the reference? Mickey Mouse. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's that famous 1930s Mickey Mouse cartoon where he had cancer and hid a way out in the capital. <laughs> oh, I'm going to die! Uh, <laughs> Gee, cartoons were dark in the 1930s, weren't they? <laughs> I don't know. I don't hey, know Walt, I let's say... write an episode oh. of Mickey Mouse. What do you want to write about? Oh, cancer? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know mouses could get cancer. <laughs> I thought mice only lived for three years. We've hit um, a new low here on 007. <laughs> mouse cancer. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to say because I don't want to Breaking Bad... Um... Oh. Now, if you've never, never seen, seen that, I've spoiled it for you. Um, oh. You're a kite dancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Uh, Mr. White kills himself. I like that he was in this film, and it was kind of... Because when Skyfall came out, people were like, oh, are they ever going to conclude this quantum thing, or is that dead in the water? I like that they at least, even though they do have mentions of quantum later on, they say, oh, quantum is a part of us, whatever. At least this was kind of tying it all together and kind of this was the final conclusion to the quantum plot line, really. Like, I assume that that's a big part of why he was in this, like, put a recognisable figure just to wrap that up because we've got bigger and better things of Spectre now. Um, so I really enjoy that exchange between Bond and Mr. White. It's good to have that kind of really killing off. Like, Mathis is gone, Vesper is gone, now Mr. White's gone. Mitchell. Mitchell, Ronson, <laughs> Green. Um, Who? Yeah, so that's kind of wrapping up. And now from this point onwards, we're kind of moving on to a new era almost. You could look at it like that. Um, we have M and C in the new spiral building thing, which just I don't get. Seems like a waste of space. Why didn't they just put floors in all of that gap um, rather than just? Why are they making cast- everybody walk? Yeah, where are the elevators? <laughs> They're fat. Um, <laughs> it's the seas cracking down on uh, overeating. Obesity issues. Well, all they within, do is sit in a computer and watch computer screens. You see it later on. They're fat, so they've got to walk up. To yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, I want to see the fat money penny. Um, <laughs> I want to see fat money penny's panties. <laughs> You're a kite, money penny. Um, uh, one little thing I noticed: it took me four watches, and I'm not sure if it's um just me not picking up on the obvious thing, but it it really wasn't until this time they have this little exchange between C and M, and he said, "Have you ever killed a man, Max?" and uh. M goes on about the speech of a license to kill is also a license not to kill. Um, and I only just put two and two together that that's kind of the parallel to the end of the film where James Bond doesn't kill. Wait, uh, you found the parallels to Breaking Bad, but you couldn't find the theme of the entire movie. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about Money Penny's panties the first yeah. time. 
And then another time I was on a plane uh, and was half asleep. So, uh, But, yeah, I only put that two and two together, that line from M and the end of the film. But I'm glad I'm finally on, on the same page as everyone else. Um, and then we learn that C is spying on the MI6 agents and he says that we watch everyone. Uh, then we cut to Bond at the clinic, kind of a bit of a reference to Honor Majesty's Secret Service here. Um, we have um, the meeting with Madeline, which an hour and three minutes into it is when we first meet Madeline. So I guess that's kind of halfway through. So it's kind of stock standard, I guess. Um, and Bond says what he does. He kills people. Small world, huh? Uh, and then we Bond needs to find the Lamerican. Uh, although I kept thinking they said the American the first time I saw it. Although I think that's what you're supposed to think, I guess. Um, uh, we have Q at the bar with Bond at the clinic, which I love that scene where they order the enzyme shake. Um, and he wants what he wants a vodka martini. He really can't get it. Um, and then that's when uh, we have the thugs coming in, kidnapping Swan and attacking Bond, and a great line where Bond, no, stay, <laughs> and the guy actually does stay, uh, which is great. Um, Good dog. Yeah. So, Swan is kidnapped because, of course, uh, Hinks has been on the trail the whole time. Um, then we have Bond in the plane chasing after them. Again, I'm not hating on all the action in this film because I do think they do do some act, do do uh, some action well, but this is just I don't know. This one falls flat for me too. It's just kind of like oh, he's in a plane. There's some shooting. There's a car. Okay, next. I don't know. There's something about this scene where it should be a big, like iconic thing where it's just kind of yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. This plane car chase. Um, Q looks into the ring and he finds out the connections. Um, we have the pictures there. I think Green does show up on this, at least this bit. Um, uh, Bond rescues Swan. Get away from me! The bit from the trailer. Um, we have Bond, Q and Swan together there. Uh, and they're talking about it and she says, Spectre! Its name is Spectre. Spectre. And we were so missing the Spectre. Spectre. Um, I actually genuinely wish they had that in there, um, but it would be like a callback to a moment no one even remembers unless you're on Double Law 7. Um, although that Doctor No bit is played a fair bit. And we have the news Cape Town in Chaos, which, again, call me dumb, I'm kind of still a bit confused at what is entirely going on here with this Cape Town subplot. Um you guys can fill me in on that. Well, I mean, that's how they're getting the that's how they're manipulating the countries to sign on to the Nine Eyes project. Is that they're creating terror in their countries so that they have a need for this extra surveillance? Yeah, but what is happening? Well, they have to. Uh, like, terror is happening. Terror is to scare South Africa into signing it, so that they're uh, like, oh yeah, shit, maybe we should. That- some terror was going on, but like it just well, seems a, a bit. There's a big plume of smoke coming from Cape Town. I don't think someone farted. <laughs> it's just I don't know. It's just like oh, this is happening too. Like I don't know. Uh, we'll get to the whole surveillance plot. 
Trust me. Um, so maybe we'll cap it there. Uh, meeting Mr. White. Then meeting his daughter, we should point out. But we will talk about Madeline as well. Uh, and the escape, which I'm not too high on. And that leads us to heading to La America. What, one thing that I will say quickly about La America, you know, we've got to find this person and that. Like, we live in an age with Google. Like, wouldn't you just Google La America? Like, they're fucking spies. I could have found out that La America was a hotel in Tangiers in about two seconds. I mean, Colin found yeah, out... Yeah, like, there's like a dozen... There's a dozen Yelp reviews on it already. <laughs> yes. Travago says it's worth this amount of time. John White. Three stars. <laughs> Two stars. Didn't get room service on time. Lol. Um, I don't know why you... One star. They didn't clean my secret uh, hidden room. I think... <laughs> I think that um, we we need to really point out that we've got Bond in a beanie. Um, I mean, we haven't had Bond in a <laughs> do we? <laughs> we haven't had Bond in a beanie since the Spy Who Loved Me, haven't we? When he's <laughs> skiing off a cliff. Hello, Survivor Wicked. <laughs> but like, it's James Bond. Bond doesn't wear a beanie. Like <laughs> he does now. It's the new Bond. <laughs> The new Bond. Like, I want to picture Daniel Craig He's in a lot of things, out. not in a beanie, all right? <laughs> um, anyway, how does he find this house in Austria? How? Who is he? Like, like, how does he know? How does he... It is a good question. How does he find it quicker than Hinks, who actually work with this guy? They probably have his address on file. Um, so that's a bit strange. And then he just, like, this house... And what, what's Mr. White doing? Just, like, how long has he been sitting there for? Like, is that what he does with his day? Like, I know he's only got, like... Two weeks to live. But, I mean, if I've got two weeks to live, am I going to be sitting in a dang, dirty room just staring at anything, waiting for a door to be like, Meg, it's quick. Like, what if Bond didn't show up? Then he's just sitting there, and he's just like, oh, shit, and he just dies. Um, the whole well, He either died when Bond came or he died sitting there. He, either way, he was going to die. <laughs> Death by sitting. The Mr. White story. <laughs> I don't know. Um... I like the fact when he's, like, talking about Blofeld... Oh, sorry, Oberhauser. And he's like, he's everywhere. I wanted him to be, like, in Quantum of the Solace. We're everywhere. And he just starts, like, laughing, like, you don't have a clue. I feel like this entire scene was in the trailer. <laughs> well, I mean, come I on. The kite reference, I mean, that is just the, the breath of Double Oz 7. That's all we talk about. The kite sequence. What, like, the thing that really irked... I know we talked about this in the episode. When, like, Bond's all like, oh, you know, you can trust me. Um, and he gives him the gun. What if he just picked up the gun and shot him? That's it. Done. James Bond is... <laughs> James Bond will not return. Mr. White wins. And... <laughs> and his daughter is dead. <laughs> I don't think Mr. White wins. <laughs> well, he wants the revenge back from it or something along those lines. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the whole kite sequence, I mean, when, that, when we're watching that in the movies, we're just like, oh, here we go. Like, that's all we, like, ever talked about forever and ever. But, um, yeah, Mr. White kills himself. Great. Um, but the one thing I don't get is, like, later on in the film, well, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, when it's all, like, you know, Bond revealing that it's, like, this deal that he's made to get his order. Like, Bond, Bond this all knuckles down to Bond being a horny prick. Like, if if Mr. White had a son, is Bond really going to go to these lengths to protect him just so we can find out the, the details of La Mary? I mean, maybe Silver turned him a little bit in Skyfall, I don't know. But it's kind of like as soon as he finds out he's got a daughter, I'll protect her, I'll get her. What's her name? What's she look like? Um, <laughs> does she have big boobs? Like, <laughs> that's basically what he's like. She's a kite. That's, again, her. Um, that's the only thing he said. 
But yeah, um, and where, where else did you get to? Yeah, the peas. There's so many um, Honor Majesty Secret Service throwbacks in this film. I, I mean, we had that in the trailer, really, didn't we? But then, um, just like with Peas Gloria, the the whole bit when they're in the desert and the you know the hotel and all that sort of stuff. Um, so many throwbacks. The the meeting, the first one with um, Madeline's like. She's not obviously very busy if she can just fit him. And what what is that place? Who are they? Like, <laughs> what business do they run? Like, do we ever find out? She's like, I'm here to test your physical and mental capabilities. Like, who goes to a building on the top of a cliff in the middle of the Austrian snow that pays a lot of money to answer that question form? Like, hey, you know what? It's hard to find a good digestive enzyme shake in Austria. So, <laughs> yes. Um, did anyone get any Skyfall callbacks here with the whole questions, like when she's just asking and she's and he's just like answering them quickly? I maybe that was. Um, no. Yeah. Yep. Um, the bar bit. Yep. <laughs> we don't serve any alcohol. I'm beginning to like this place. Um, that guy looks really familiar. Is he in something? It's it's Mitchell's brother. Um, Was he a tube driver? <laughs> 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 Q is scared to fly that we learn in Skyfall, but somehow he's gone to Austria. He obviously drove there, perhaps. Well, you can drive everywhere in Europe, Ben. There's tunnels. Why <laughs> Why is Q there? Like, go home. Because he's going to lose his job if he doesn't bring Bond back to London. He was already told that. Well, he's gonna, if he's about to lose his job, he shouldn't be spending his money going to Austria. He should be saving his pennies and thinking about the cats. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you can't have a quick little flyaway to Austria to get your high-energy protein... Whatever the fuck it was. Um, the no stay line, that is fucking brilliant. I love it. Um, just again, massive throwback. The The whole chase sequence is great with the plane. I love Bond with his little wave. And then Hinks has got his double barrel gun, which Noah was jizzing all about in the trailer episode. Yeah, but they don't really make much of anything of that in the film. It's it's there. Um, like that could have been his gimmick, if not the thumbtack. The, the plane like lands and bum fucks a car when it's like pushing it down the <laughs> thing. <laughs> Thanks for that, Ben. Yeah, I'm just pointing out the obvious. Um, oh, yes, the obvious. <laughs> then, <laughs> That's what everybody wondered at that moment. We're all thinking about it. Um, and then, yeah, the whole calm down, take a breath. Go away, leave me alone. Why should I trust you? Well, he's just fucking thro- flown a plane to save your life, woman. Like, hmm, he's either really horny and wants to bed you, or perhaps he's trying to protect you. But, Ben... Did it ever occur to you that you brought them here? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the hotel scene and by his name, its name, his name, its name is Spectre. And it's just sort of like, oh, not in front of her. Oh, she knows. But she knows. Um, it's great. And yeah, the whole ring scene, like what sort of computer has a little ring reader on it and then that can somehow get all that information again fuck you m keeping all this information and like one of the only two green references in the movies so um and yeah learning it's a place not a person plot twist yeah um (laughs) this is kind of the last point the movie's good and then where the movie takes a bit of a downward turn for me um I love the Mr. White scene. I, I think even though it was all in the trailer, I think it's it's kind of like that boardroom scene. I think it's just a really strong scene that works no matter how many times you see it. And it is the last time I think that this movie's really good. Because the funny thing is, as it, as much as I'm not really loving this movie overall, uh, like in the grand scheme of things compared to the other Bonds, 
I think the first half of it is so strong. Everything up until uh, basically White dies. Um, f- as soon as Swan comes in, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a problem they didn't develop her character well enough, or just the the script as a whole didn't work. I mean, a lot of things just don't work from that point on. And I think the first meeting between them is a good example of that. It's um, it's a good scene, but it's not a great scene. And a part of it is that you are wondering certain things about like what is this clinic? What is Bond doing there? There are some good moments in there. Like I love the back and forth questioning that they have, um, where it's like, "Oh, you left this section blank. You know, what do you do for a living?" Well, it's not the kind of thing that you put on an application. You know, there's some good very dialogue in there. Very Skyfall-esque. That one. Very Skyfall-esque. There actually is a, a very clear Skyfall <laughs> reference that I never caught, but I'll get into that later. But I, just um, said that. I mean, <laughs> I, no, not this one. A different part. A part that other people. <laughs> An actual bit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I like Q in this whole scene here. Um, I like uh, the fact that he's worried about his job. Like, this is something we got a bit of a hint at in Skyfall. But he's actually worried about his job. It's not so much he cares about Bond. And he's he, he's always, again, b- getting bullied by Bond in a way where he's like, no, you got to go back. And he's like, I'm leaving. And he's like, first, you have to help me with this. He's like, oh, this is awful. But he ends up going along with it. I'm with both you guys. I think I said this on our first episode. The chase scene doesn't work. It works better than it did on a first viewing. I think on first viewing, the the pre-title sequence is so strong. The car chase is so strong that this was just a little bit flat. It does work better than it did a couple months ago, but it's still just not that exciting. And I think when you just have a plane flying beside a car and they're shooting each other and nothing's happening, it's not going to be that great. Uh, I love the way that Hinks just keeps looking at people. Like he just he doesn't care at all. Uh, it's all a job to him. The the final scene where it crashes through. We should note that the the scene where the plane crashes through the barn again. That was a real stunt that was done for real, and that's some impressive stuff they pulled off there. And the scene between Swan and Bond again. We saw it in the trailers. So I don't know. I mean, I think it loses a bit of its impact because it's such a brief scene, but we already knew it was coming and it's not really like the other ones. Just something about, I don't know, maybe I'll figure it out by the time this movie's over, but something about the swan scenes with bond just don't work that well. And maybe it's just because I'm comparing it to, you know, what we had with Vesper the first time. And it's more believable for somebody to fall in love over three months than three days. I don't know, but yeah, it's, this is, it's still a, a good part of the movie here, but it's definitely taking a turn for the worse now. Um, well, this should be fun. Um, so, yeah, Swan is an interesting character because I feel like I like her more each time I watch the film. But I feel like the relationship, the more I watch it, is more non-existent almost. Um, like... I remember when we w- w- first watched this, everyone was talking about, oh, the relationship is just, oh, it's so forced and it's so stupid. It's kind of hardly even there, really. And I think Sam Smith's song doesn't help the case, but really there isn't too much of a... Until the end, when they leave, and yeah, it is a bit dumb when he walks away, he doesn't kill Blofeld, and he goes to Madeline. Um but overall, I, I don't actually see too much. And let's not talk about how long it takes to fall in love. Three months in a, ho- a ho- uh, hospital um, from Casino Royale again. But I was kind of interested. Uh, I don't know about 
your uh, two's opinion on it, but do you think uh, people are almost like not well maybe in Hollywood films to be trained to find a love story everywhere because I remember watching The Force Awakens and it's the Finn and Rey love story is so forced Um, it's just so stupid and then I watched it again it's not even a real thing it's hardly in that movie at all so do you think you're just kind of trained to look for something that's not even there that's I guess what a lot of films are you know that's yeah I don't know I definitely see your point. I mean, especially with Star Wars. I think the difference in this movie, though, is that they're making it clear Bond, especially at the end of the movie, Bond's leaving for her. She even says, I love you to him, and that's why it's not as convincing. Because it's been done better in Bond movies in the past. Bond movies that actually are even weaker than this have done that better. Yeah, but I still don't even see too much of it. Like, I actually see it kind of growing a bit more and rather than it just being straight away... They're slowly building up to him leaving with her, and then it's still not even like they're leaving and they've gotten married or anything like that. Um, or he's quitting. His, well, that's a dumb thing to say because it kind of is implied that he is quitting his job almost, um, like Vespa. But I don't know. Maybe we can talk about that again. Uh, so Bond and Swan, uh, Bond and Swan are in Tangier. Where's that, uh, Colin? Morocco, forty-two. <laughs> James Bond, Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> Hashtag in jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> heading to La American, which is a hotel. Um, they talk for a bit. Bit slow this scene, I have to say. Bond talks to a mouse. Hello. What are you no, doing, Mickey, This is where Mickey comes in. <laughs> yeah, it all makes sense now. <laughs> Bob is just obsessed with mice. Um, he discovers the hidden room. We find uh, the Vespa tape, or he finds the Vespa tape, which is a cool touch, but I wish they watched it. I They could have cut some bits from this film to have a little Bond puts it in and he, we get a little Eva Green cameo. <laughs> We're going to see him loading it on his USB drive on his TV at the beginning of the next one. Yeah, I, I just it... like the fact that you said we see a scene with Bond putting it in. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, Ben's going to go there. <laughs> hey, I've got a lack of nipples. I need something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I could be butchering this, but I swear uh, Spectre have a special label maker thing because I swear that wasn't written on in text. It was like a special... Vesper interrogation tape label that they've got on there. <laughs> after after they give you the ring, that's your five year uh, anniversary present. You get a label maker, courtesy of Specter. <laughs> Mister Wise has got labels everywhere in the <laughs> America, uh, and we also find some satellite directions um, to the Specter base. Specter, Specter. So Bond and Swan head off. And they're on a train, and I've written in my notes here, when will they learn? Um, Bond is always on trains. Get off and the train. Yeah. Um, why couldn't you drive or something, Bond? Um, they have a nice little dinner, and they get martinis. Tick one off there. Um, um, we have a little scene that I kind of like. It's just a little one where Money Penny and Q meet M at that little cafe restaurant thing and he says delete the smart blood files it's all up to him now um 
And Mr. Hinks is also on this. I would love to see the film where we track Mr. Hinks's journey, how he always just happens to be there. But anyway, uh, and we have a cool fight. Again, I agree, Colin, maybe if they tried the thumbtack thing out, like he tried to do it on one of them. But I do enjoy the Mr. Hinks Bond fight. Overall, I'm not a huge Hinks fan. Um, I think... I was really excited because I thought we were going back to the classic henchman. And overall, I don't know if he really brought that. He's a lot better than Elvis or Patrice or anyone from Quantum. I mean, Casino Royale, um, the two random African guys with machetes and stuff like that. But he's not one of the, he's not going to be an all time top five greatest henchman or anything like that. But he has some okay moments. They have a cool fight. Bond managed to throw him off the train through the ropes, and we have the one word from Mr. Shit, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, then what are they going to do now? Do, 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 do. Bond and Swan get it on. In Is that the only use of the writings on the wall in this film? Um, it they may use be. it in the we- opening credits. Uh, um, which <laughs> is just... Kind of baffles me because the actual instrumental is not that horrible. Um, so it would have worked the instrumental in parts of this film, but yeah, that happens. Um, they get off the train and they're in the desert at this little train stop uh, thingy. They're waiting and waiting and waiting. Rolls Royce randomly shows up eventually to pick them up. They arrive at the Spectre base where they're going to meet the boss at four. So they have to go and get dressed. It's very Dr. Noe vibe, I think, even down to Swan's dress. has the Dr. Noe vibe of Honey having to get changed. And they head to the media room where they're about to meet the big baddie of this film at an hour and 42 minutes into it. I think there's some good stuff going on. I maybe agree with Colin that a lot of it does start, the threads kind of fall apart at this point or it drops the ball a bit. But I do enjoy the train stuff and the La American stuff goes on a bit, but there's also some fun, like the Vespa stuff's kind of cool and I like the Tangier location at least. Um, so, yeah, we're heading into the first of the two climaxes, I guess you could say. Is that Bond's two climaxes or just ha 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 <laughs> I know. That was a Baron Samity laugh. I, I am hilarious. I am the funniest. Um, I'm a what is it? Com- comedic genius. Comedic master. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I can't even remember half the stuff I say anymore. Um, but who does? I know you. You credit it to. Uh, <laughs> who does? Other people because nobody <laughs> listens to this. They're listening to Spectre, etc. Now available on iTunes. Um, just, just quick. Why am I giving them free plugs? They've got more fans than us. They this is our us, last episode. They should be giving us free plugs. Like, dear Spectre, expect what's it? Spectre, Spectre, Spectre. Fucking that other show that no one listens to. Other uh, listens. <laughs> Shut up, Ben. Um, well, I think more people listen to that than this. I, I just quickly on on Madeline Swan. I don't really think I gave much of an opinion on her. Um, I mean, I remember pre any of these trailers and everything. No, oh my god, she's so hot. She's going to be the best Bond girl ever. Um, but she is that dress. I, I prefer her in Blue is a Lesbian <laughs> Room. I mean, like, 
That was on the plane. Well, why didn't did he watch it? it? <laughs> I thought that's more of a Valentine's Day film. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a Valentine's Day film. Trust me, you can spend the night with that one scene in that movie, and you it doesn't are, even matter if Jamie's there or not with that one. Well, Jamie could join in and could put some ideas in Jamie's head, and then next year you'll have an even better Valentine's Day. I think Day. ideas are getting put into your head, and Colin's getting Hold creeped on. out. Ben. Hold on, my wife spent Valentine's Day sleeping over at one of her friends' houses. Friends. I don't think I need to be showing her that movie. Or friends. Lou is a lesbian room slumber party. <laughs> Jamie Hilding getting lesbian ideas since Valentine's Day 2016. <laughs> ben, she's about to become a mother. Calm down. What makes um, me think that this is my first time? <laughs> oh my Hello, god. Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Um, I really hope. One of our 28 likes on Facebook just tuned out. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) She she loves Spectre, etc. I I noticed that she's generally one of the only ones who actually ever likes our statuses, her and Catherine and, um, was it Linda? Um, We're big among women, that's what we've proven. (laughs) It must be all Ben's nipple talk. I honestly don't know how our listeners are all women based on some of the stuff that is said on this show. We've already referenced sluts in this episode, so... um, Twice now. Madeline Swan, she's like... Uh, like, the one thing that I really picked up on this recent watch is that Craig has technically only had two Bond women, if you kind of really, really look at it. Um, I mean, Quantum of Solace, that thing, she doesn't count. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> no, women the the women on this listening in that thing. Strawberry Fields is just, a, you know, the slut of the week. And then when it comes oh. to Skyfall, I apologise, that was a bad reference. She was the Bond girl of the week. Um, and then Skyfall, well, we don't know what happens with them. So really, in four films, Craig's only really got two main Bond girls. I mean, Brosnan had like 20. <laughs> so I love how seriously you said, we don't really know what happens with them, implying that... <laughs> Most people are assuming he probably got it on with M. <laughs> well, what's more realistic in Skyfall that he had a homosexual experience or he bedded M? Like, you know. M. <laughs> exactly. But with that short hair, it's it. kind of both. So, um, but... <laughs> <laughs> we're, just, we're an hour away from the final ever moments of Double I like I like Madeline Swan. She's, I mean, she's decent, but I mean, the whole love thing still kind of irks me. I mean, you know my feelings on the whole Vespa love situation, and this is kind of a shorter amount of time. And like at the end of the day, she becomes a damsel in distress. Like, I mean, this is 2015, folks. We're meant to be having Bond girls kicking ass. Like Jinx had more of a <laughs> feminine aspect Don't of go kicking there ass now. than freaking Madeline Swan. But um, you know, but in all seriousness, I feel like we should still be able to have damsel in distresses in 2015 as long as the characters are developed and they're not just simply there to be rescued. Yeah, 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 good point. I'll give you that. But, like, it's... I don't know. Like, they they always... The thing that always annoys me kind of now, the way they promote Bond films and Bond girls, like, it's kind of like, oh, Bond girl is not a politically correct term now because that just implies she's there to have sex with Bond and get rescued. Well, what's the term? But, but like, I don't say the S word. <laughs> but, no, but, like, I don't know what the term is. I mean, I read an interview with Leia Seydoux where she was kind Madeline of like... Madeline Swan is the Bond slut. <laughs> Noah said it. That's not the me. new word. Noah said it, not me. Um, Edit point. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no edit point. <laughs> We're keeping all my references in. Yours are staying in too, my friend. Um, but, like, she talks it up in interviews, like, oh, it's so empowering, blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, it's not empowering. You get shoved in a building that's about to blow up and you have to be rescued by a man. So I'm sorry, that really hasn't changed in 50 years. But whatever. Um, I like her, though. She's still cool. She rescues him from Hinks, though. Well, by shooting him in the arm... And that you still get Bond still gets the kill in that case. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Lamerica, Lamericane, whatever. It's great. I like the whole mouse scene. Who sent you? You know, who do you work for? Um, and like the whole bit where he's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, what for? And then the next scene you see him like just ripping the shit out of the hotel room. That's kind of cool. Um, and her line where she's just like, you know, come anywhere near me and I'll kill you. Like I don't know it's kind of cute. But like I mean, one thing that we really have not pointed out in this whole film is that like. There is a big age gap between these two. Like, Bond, I mean, you never kind of get an implication of how old Bond's meant to be. I mean, Craig's 47, so hypothetically Bond's 40. I mean, Leia Seydoux's, what's-his-name's daughter, so she's got to be in her early 20s. So, you know, there's all this sort of stuff going on there. But good on you, Bond. You're, you're getting lucky. It's not like Madeline's 14 years old. <laughs> it's not BB. Um, <laughs> you get your clothes on and we'll get some ice cream. Uh, but anyway, the yeah, I, I, like when you said about the watching the tape, bit like i kind of got that i remember when i was in the movies like oh we're gonna get to see a cameo from eva green here you know lrm on a tv screen but no we didn't um and yeah the what else are we up to um we find we learned the double o program's being closed down it's not personal it's the future or whatever it is yep i don't think you mentioned that yeah the train yes um Finally, um, they still don't know how to, to work out the fact that they don't catch trains in James Bond, but whatever. Um, the, the whole white tux is back. That's kind of cool. Um, you know, all glamorous dress up in the train. Where is everybody else on this train? Like, do we ever work that out? Are they, are they there? There or? were people on the train. They weren't doing much. Um, why do they have to dress up on it? They a- were eating dinner. <laughs> why are they dressed up so much for a scungy train carriage in Tangiers? Uh, Whatever. Um, I don't know really. What's it? I like the fight. The fight's great. Bond gets his ass absolutely kicked. I remember talking about this in our um, reaction episode, and it really, at one point there, it looks like Bond's about to die. James Bond's going to die. Oh, no, he's going to die. Um, and does Bond throw lettuce at Mr. Hinks when they're in the kitchen and they're, like, slapping the the bowls or something like that. I swear at one point he just gets that silver packet and just slaps the lettuce at Mr. Hinks. Maybe it was just me. I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, the beer. Like, I'm, I'm more sad about the fact that the beer is getting lost out of the train when they're, like, um, going along there. Um, and I love the fact when like, they kill him and he's like, shit. And then they're like, what do we do now? And then, yeah, they're having sex. So Bond just gets off on killing people, which is great. And I, yeah, the instrumental bit I think works great. And I love that bit when it's kind of like that really, like the helicopter shot of the train and we just have the, the piano bit. I think that works really, really well. Um, and did we get, what did we get? Far to the meteor bit. Um, yeah, they're waiting around. Like, what if no one showed up? How do they know someone was going to show up to pick them up? Like, com- exactly. <laughs> convenient. Um, great. He's just following coordinates. He doesn't even know what they're supposed to lead him to. He didn't even know that they were there, like, five seconds ago. All of a sudden, now there's somebody there to pick him up in a taxi. Like, good. Um, <laughs> and then... Um, they're in this big media hole with luscious green grass, and you have the most excited person in the world. 
Mr. Bond, Miss Swan, we are so excited to have you here. We will see you. That's at four. Vargas. <laughs> yes, he hasn't had sex. That's why he's so like <laughs> sad. Um, and I, I tell you one thing: the one role that, if, as an actor, the breakout role in this film, guy standing with two champagne glasses before they enter into the hall with the meteor. That guy is the next big thing in Hollywood. Can I just point that? He's out? the next Hannah Stokely. Let's he, be honest. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That brings duh to a new level. It's like <laughs> champagne. Um, but I mean, I like the, the setting of this. I mean, it's great. Like in the middle of a desert and a meteorite crater and. Yeah, that's that's about. I, I still think uh, the the whole star of this sequence is Bond slapping lettuce at Mister Hinks in the kitchen. Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you what the star of this movie isn't. It's the whole Tangier sequence. Like, oh my goodness, I just want to skip it every time. And I don't even think it's that necessary for the plot. Like, there are better ways you could have moved the plot along. You could have had Q just you know, put something in on the computer and he's like, oh, I think that, you know, we, we have this location. Because Q found it on his own. I mean, it's, he found the crater. It's not like they needed to go to L'American. And it's not like it even really moves the love story forward that much. Um, the only thing it does is open up a lot of really interesting questions to me. Like, A, how sick is it that this is where Mr. White and Mrs. White spent their wedding night, and then they're, they're like, you know what, let's bring our daughter back every year. Like, this is where you two got it on the night you got married. Like, that, that's disgusting. Why is why are they bringing their daughter there? Uh, uh, and it's a one-bedroom suite. Like, is she sleeping on the floor with Mickey Mouse or something? Like, I don't get it. Here's the biggest plot hole of the movie. Mr. White has a secret room in the wall, and he's going back there all the time. How does he get in that room? Because clearly the only way Bond can get in is by breaking the drywall. So when he goes in there and he finishes his work, does he re-drywall it up? Or does he have the mouse doing his clerical work for him on the other side? Like, it makes no sense at all. What is a mouse? He can, he's like animals. <laughs> You're a <laughs> He transforms into <laughs> animal. Mr. White didn't die. He actually just There's transformed There's a 90s reference himself. for you. <laughs> animals. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it, it honestly just... This sequence is not fun to watch. It's really dull. It's really boring. There's a one fun moment where Bond raises the gun to the mouse, and that's kind of funny, but it doesn't, you know, help the love story. It doesn't move the plot forward any more than just a quick scene with Q could have, and it has me questioning how this room exists and why Mr. White is re-drywalling every single time he goes in there. Uh, kind of a cool idea that he has this secret room and that we see the Vesper tape. Um, just not necessary in the movie, and this is a two-and-a-half-hour movie. They could have cut, you know, ten minutes right here. I think the train fight is a lot stronger. Um, it, it's definitely the high point of the second half of this movie uh, for a lot of reasons, not just the fight. I mean, the fight is spectacular, but I of all the scenes between Bond and Swan, I like the scene of them on the train the best where he's teaching her how to use the gun. And then, you know, she you know does everything with his gun and he's like, I don't have to teach you anything. It's a really good scene and it actually makes the point of everything about her character we're supposed to know and everything about Bond that we're supposed to know. I love that scene. Uh, the fight is spectacular. This is what I've been wanting out of a Bond fight. Like They've done a good job. This is one thing the Daniel Craig movies don't get enough credit for is really bringing realism to the fights and making it gritty again. This isn't just Pierce Brosnan throws a punch, you know, cut to an exaggerated shot of a guy flying in the air. Um, hey. This... And, and I'm not knocking Pierce Brosnan, but like it, it's a dated way of doing fights, you know, in today's day and age. This is bringing back a little bit of the absurdity of Bond and mixing it with this gritty, 
hand-to-hand combat style. I mean, we're, we're using the environment the way that they've used in past Bond movies. You know, he's got the chains, the, the kitchen. I don't know if he's through the lettuce. I'm going to have to go back and look at it. But <laughs> if he did, I love that idea. Um, the fact that Hicks has this exaggerated super strength, which is almost ridiculous, but it makes the fight better. Uh, this is a great fight, and I just wish that we had had one more fight with Hinks after this. Like, have, you know, a final showdown since we don't really get he's a underused. proper climax. He's underused in this film. Maybe he's he very could be at the Spectre base and he has to fight him before the base blows up. Was I the yeah, only I one have- that I thought he wasn't dead? Sorry to interrupt, Colin, but the whole time in that scene, I remember seeing that, like, he's not dead, he's going to come back later in the movie. But- well, yeah, well, technically he's still could. Of a train. So Jaws got up right after that. Why not? Mm. But, I mean, I have a whole rewriting of the ending that I did while I was watching it this past time because I have a lot of issues with the ending. And I think the number one thing, I'll just get out of the way now, is have Hink survive, even if you have him just sort of... Do a Guy Hamilton ending. <laughs> Let's just have the last minute. Like, there's a classic Bond thing that we haven't seen cool. in a while. The henchman have shows up ha- yet. Drive off in the car, he's in the back the seat. Very, yeah. But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm trying to gauge it. There's the gouging their eyes somebody. out. <laughs> There is a way for Higgs to be in this movie. Um, I like the idea of the Spectre Crater. It's a throwback to the volcano, Blofeld's volcano. Now we have Blofeld's crater. Just like Silva's Island, I think it's a great location that just could have appeared in a bigger part of the movie. Have an action scene there that's more than you know 10 seconds of on shooting people. Um, I don't know if we're covering the first introduction. I guess we're stopping right before Blofeld's first scene. You're in doing the, a novel. Yeah, I'll stop before I get there. But, I mean, I like this location. I think there's a lot of cool uh, things going on there. I just wish that they had worked it more into the action later on. All right. So, yeah, this location is really cool. I love the Spectre base and how it's kind of hidden out. It doesn't show up on satellites. Um, I remember watching it the first time thinking, oh, geez, we're already up the climax. This is going to be a long climax. Um because this should be the climax. This should mm-hmm. be the final villain lair. Yep. Not that I absolutely despise the London climax, but, I mean, we had the Scottish one last uh, film. This should be the big base. That, like this, People say this is a return to form for Bond, and I agree and disagree. In some ways it is, but others it still feels very different. Um, and this is what it should have been working towards finally getting to that final base. It happened in Dr. No, it happened in Goldfinger, kind of. It happened in uh, You Only Live Twice. Um, on a Majesty's Secret Service, in a way, when they flew back in to Peace Gloria. Um, Diamond Spy Love Me. Spy Love Me. Like, this is what it should be, working towards that final big base where a big battle is going to go on. Um, it should have been this. And then instead, we get a 10-minute scene here and we're off. And it's all blown up. It's like Bond's been working technically years and years. As, and I know that's not all of Spectre destroyed in one go. I'm sure Spectre is all over the world. But it's kind of just a bit anticlimactic that they've built this up. And then, oh, this awesome base thing that's a throwback to classic Bond. Bam. It's gone. Um, so I would have just loved if Forget the going rogue thing. We've had enough of that. Bring back an army of British people or an army of MI6 people flying in because they've found out where the base is now 
And it's Spectre versus the good guys in a big battle. Like, why couldn't we have had that? Um, but anyway, we have the meteorite. Uh, Blofeld or Oberhauser gives them a tour of the Spectre base. Um, which massive Willy Wonka vibes here, I felt, uh, as he was showing him through. The <laughs> All the lumpers in the background. Yeah, well, the, when those guys were on the computer, I got total Oompa Loompa vibes. Hey, put that over the top of the credits. I'm see not if that works. low fell. <laughs> yeah, that would probably work. Just to prove my point about Sam Smith. Um, yeah, Blofeld totally needs some Oompa Loompas. Or, or at least leprechauns, if we've already discovered. Oh, Spectre. Um, <laughs> Irish Mickey Mouse. Uh, and we learn that C is in conjunction with Spectre, which is something I disliked originally, and I'm still not high up on it. But one thing I did pick up on this time is they say he's in conjunction with Spectre, and he says he had an alliance with them. So I've always thought, oh, this is stupid. C's a member of Spectre. He's worked his way up in high up in the government, despite being Spectre and that. But it seems like, and we're never probably going to ever get this proper backstory, but it seems like he somehow along the way was already in the government and came across them so many times. Um, yeah. And ended up somehow, like, I'm still not perfect, but I'm trying to piece it together, somehow ended up working together because he wanted to change the government as well, and he somehow figured out Spectre was also doing that. Um, so that makes it a bit better because that was something I hated. Um, but at the same time, I would, this film would be so much stronger if this surveillance thing wasn't even a part of the main plot. If it was just this... like In this day and age, they always have to give M and Moneypenny and Q some more things to do compared to the old days when they were in one scene. So why couldn't the C just been a nemesis for M? Why does everything have to... Why does Silver have to be Spectre? Why does this have to be Spectre? Um, in saying that, this fourth watch, I finally kind of come around that he's not really Spectre. He's more working with Spectre in a way. Um, so we learn that. Uh, then we get the famous trailer line, you came across me so many times that you never saw me. Uh, I am the author of all your pain. Um, That's a pretty good waltz you did there. <laughs> Gee, Christoph, welcome to Double Oz 7. I was practicing. <laughs> Can on I the polish plane? your Oscar? <laughs> Cuckoo. <laughs> he does that again. Famous uh, one line t shirt. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. Ernst <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like all the famous. I am Ernst Avro Blofeld. They told me you were assassinated in Hong Kong. Cuckoo. <laughs> I just need to re edit that. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. <laughs> Kill Look what Bond the cat dragged now. Cuckoo. Yeah, just add the cuckoo into all the Blofeld moments. Um, I shall call like, him Mini-Me. Cuckoo. <laughs> when he's going, when Telly Savalas is going down on the, the luge chasing Bond, <laughs> just cuckoo. Um, he had a lot of guts. Cuckoo. <laughs> Yeah, I was practicing my Christoph when I was on the plane, all right? Um, so then there's a pretty good scene where they play the footage of White's death. Um, I'm not... Who installed that camera? Then? Who I'm installed sure. it? <laughs> who was he? Who does he work for? <laughs> What's his number? Um, 
Yeah, so that I think that's quite a good scene, and Bond's like, no, don't, don't watch it, no. and then Bond gets whacked, um, and gets knocked out. So I enjoy that kind of Madeline moment. Um, and he wakes up in a torture chamber. There's a gecko, Colin. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> Throwback to license to kill, no doubt. Um, yeah, <laughs> hashtag in jokes. And a cat. Oh. A cat? Wait, a cat? I love it. Oh, plot twist. It's Blofeld. <laughs> Who saw that coming? I didn't. Um, we. Uh, this is in my notes. We learn Blofeld is jealous of his little stepbrother, which is another thing I picked up on. One thing I hated about this film is what Blofeld has become an evil genius all because of Bond was friends with his dad. But he kind of says in the film, if you really listen to it, that that led him on a path, that that wasn't the single thing that made him want to take over the world and that, which is something that, which is easy to miss. I missed it the first two or three times. It's only a little line where he says that it's easy to mistake that. But I'm saying it here, and I know in your first one you defended it, Colin. I hate that Blofeld is the stepbrother of James. They did Austin Powers pretty much. Um, it. One reason I hate it so much is it's so damn unnecessary. Like, why does James Bond have to have... Every, like, what's the next film going to be? James Bond's mother really wasn't dead and she's a spy working for someone else or it's something. It's Monica like. Bellucci. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that just got weird. Mad um, plot twist. Yeah, James Bond ew. is Tasmanian. <laughs> like, why does Bond have to be involved? He's just an agent. Yeah, he's a superhero agent, but why does he have to be involved with every single plot so deeply? Like, why can't it just be Casino Royale or whatever, where it's just his mission? Granted, his first mission, but still, it's annoying. Like, <laughs> Blofeld is not the brother of James Bond. Um, Stepbrother. Yeah, so that's one thing I've come across on the... he didn't. He's not an evil, mad genius because of he was jealous of his dad. But at the same time, he's just cuckoo himself that like he killed his dad and escaped and changed his name all because he he was james bond spent two years learning to ski i don't know it just feels like a bad attempt at trying to have james bond involved and trying to connect everything where it's just kind of a big problem with this film is they just say things they don't actually do they just say oh yeah this is connected to quantum and that's it. Like, we know nothing about Spectre, pretty much. Um, we know nothing about anything. And that's why I said at the top of this show, it feels like this is the first film of a trilogy. Like, the uh, Casino, Quantum, and Skyfall were kind of their own, like, the prequel trilogy or the setup trilogy. This feels like part one of a trilogy, which will never happen. But it just feels like there's so much just, oh, yes, this is connected, this is connected, I was your brother, by the way, and I killed my dad, and I've just been hiding in the shadows, and then you popped up, and, oh, my stepbrother happened to work for the MI6, why I turned out to be an evil genius. It's just so damn unnecessary and takes away from me. I know, Colin, you've kind of defended it, and other people have said they don't mind it does bug me, and I like this film, but that bugs me. Um, 
So we have the torture chamber scene, which is a good scene. I enjoy it. Um, uh, so, yeah, the re- revelation of Ernst Stavro Blofeld, Bond tortured, trying to erase his memories uh, as he dies. Um, Bond picks up the watch that they don't go in for these days, hands it to Madeline. Why is there no one watching this happen right now? Um, watching? They... Tempest Fugit, time flies, they throw the uh, thing and explodes. We get the backstory to Blofeld's scar, which I kind of like. But um, yeah. um, And then somehow the base blows up. <laughs> I don't know. Like the watch expands or something. I don't know. Um, and there's a cool escape. It's just so... It annoys me. We just got here and now it's gone and we're leaving because it's such a great location and set. But it's a cool escape with Bond turning into a murderous prick uh, a la Goldeneye where he's just shooting, mowing down these people. It's pretty cool. Uh, the whole base somehow blows up through the the watch and they get away on the chopper. Blofeld is dead. Um, yeah, I think I've talked enough. I love Christoph Waltz as Blofeld, or not even as Blofeld, just as a Bond villain. I think the missed opportunity with this Spectre base and with the actual character. Get and the, why is there a gecko? Get to the chopper. That's what I wanted to say when you said get to the... <laughs> Never mind. Um, that's just for Colin to add that in at the end. <laughs> Come with me if you want to live. Um, <laughs> I've written on my notes, what is this place? <laughs> just looking at it. I just want to point out, like... Um, Christoph Waltz, if you are to think of anybody to be a James Bond villain, and I think there was a Watch Mojo top 10 of like, you know, top 10 Watch. actors that would be great for Bond villains. And I remember, Colin, you were like, oh, it's so cliche, half these people. Like, there's a reason I think some of that. But I mean, Christoph, he's just born to play this role. He is born to play a James Bond villain. And I think what makes it perfect is the fact that he is Blofeld, the ultimate James Bond villain. And he is the greatest Blofeld there has ever been, ever. Um, And like, I read a lot of criticism that he's barely in this film, he's wasted, all this sort of stuff. Christoph Waltz could be in this film for five minutes and he would still be the star. It's kind of like Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. He's what in that movie for 18 minutes and he wins an Oscar for Mm -hmm. it because he's just got that screen presence and he's so fucking good as Hannibal Lecter. Christoph Waltz is so fucking good as Blofeld and I would mark him in top 10 villains of all time, you know, very high up because I just think he's just an absolute star in this film and it annoys me that people say that he wasn't he's wasted and he wasn't that good and blah 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 i just think he's just absolutely he wasn't wasted but it would have been good to have a bit more well i think it's setting it up i mean he's got to be back in there we'll maybe talk about that one um well only if daniel craig returns (laughs) just this the whole sequence like i know we talked up a lot about silver and skyfall and that whole sequence of the introduction and i think that introduction is a better introduction than the blowfield bond one in this one but i still think the this whole sequence of them talking about the meteorite is still a fucking fantastic introduction be a top five 
Bond villain introduction for sure, just how it all mm. is. And then there's this has Doctor No vibes to me. But then walking through there and talking about it, and like the line, like why did you come here? I came here to kill you. I thought you came here to die. Like it's just, it's just so. It's all good. a matter of perspective. It's just great Spectre? and just. <laughs> we hear Green mentioned again as well. Can we mention that? Um, and just this whole setup, it's just I just love it so much. I love him to bits. Um, and the whole. Yeah, the whole bit about the family side of things, stepbrother, doesn't maybe annoy me as much as it annoys you, Noah, but I think that this is the 24th Bond film and we've never had the plot twist go after your member of your family, which I guess technically in a way it happens a bit in this film and more likely be the next one and we've been building this Bond backstory. I, it was inevitable that it's going to happen. I mean, it's kind of just like the cliche storytelling aspect. I mean, to reference it again to 24, I think I mentioned this in one of the ones, you know, it was always going to be a season where Jack Bauer would have to be against his family. It was just always going to happen. So, like, you all... And don't we all love James... that season of 24? Well, the first oh. four episodes were good. James Bond... <laughs> Not stay away from the frickin' snow. It's like the trains. His parents died in a skiing accident. His stepdad and stepbrother died in an avalanche. Um, why, why does he spend so much time in the snow? But it, it literally is stealing the plot twist from Austin Powers because, I mean, it just reminds me of the whole sequence when you're learning that Dr. Evil really is Austin Powers' brother and then we get that scene that his name's Dougie or whatever it is and then he runs over to Michael Caine and he's like, Daddy! And they've just got that big hug sequence. I'm just expecting, like, Mr. Overhauser to come back and they've just got this massive family reunion. Um, the whole torture scene, I got so giddy with excitement when we saw this in the movie and you just see that cat on the ground. I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. This is it. Um, and then like as soon as he says, I heard Stavro Blofeld and Noah and I looked at each other and we're like, yep, there it is. Okay, whatever. Um, the whole... Well, I think we knew when we saw the cat. <laughs> the whole torture... I know we talked about in the reaction episode, like would have worked if it was just some other random person and he wasn't really Blofeld. Well, again, listen to that episode. We talk about that. Um, I mean, the whole torture scene, it's great. It works. But I mean, I just don't get why he's... Like, obviously his torture machine doesn't work that well if he doesn't forget his, like what he's meant to forget. Like, clearly you've got to work on that one, Blofeld, because... It, yeah, that's <laughs> a Dr. Evil thing, right? <laughs> he remembers pretty clearly. Um... <laughs> does annoy me that she says I love you. Um, and, like, we needed a scene there. He doesn't say it back. I just said I love you, James. Don't you love me back? Why don't you love me back, James? <laughs> just... Oh, no, we needed... I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good good point. Good call. Um, although it is a nice little line. I'd recognise you anywhere. Oh, how sweet. Um, when it blows up, like, I remember seeing it the first time. I'm like, yes, that's got to be the scar, and he's going to be bald again. We'll get to that bit. He should have been bald. That that should have happened. Um, and I love the, the bit when he's, like, killing all the guards because it is very Brosnan-esque, like, just mowing down people. But this is sort of, like, different. It almost feels like a video game because you're kind of, like, you're seeing all these I people in the distance too. and you're, like, shooting and, like, it just felt very much like you were the one pulling the trigger. And, and then it. I thought, why wasn't there a spectacle? Because there was a lot of potential there don't know i i couldn't tell you but um yeah and the explosion didn't didn't colin you say that's the biggest explosion ever on film or something yeah, like that world record yeah i mean it's it's an epic explosion and i just love the way they just stand there and watch it like you know it's it's not like running around like oh my god there's an explosion they're just like so cool and they're just like fuck yeah that's me you know i did that you just needed him to like turn around put his glasses on and you know just, just have some scene like that and then he get to the chopper but um, 
yeah, I mean, just Blofeld. I can't speak volumes enough of how much I love him and Christoph Waltz in this movie. Um, but I, I do agree with you, know, though, Noah, that I think this should have been the climax. This was a perfect setting for the climax, and we'll get to the climax in a second because I've, I've always been very down on the Craig uh, endings, but uh, this, would have, this would have really made this film brilliant if this had have been the, the climax. And I yeah. finished saying what I want to say. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, this is the part where you speak. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Eh? It's- oh, no, I liked that it. it was the brother. <laughs> oh, sorry oh, for I my opinion. Hi, Colin. There we are. Um, well, clearly you weren't well, talking. Oh, I, I, okay. <laughs> I actually- I started talking and then you said that, so I thought that I cut you off accidentally, but I didn't realize I had it on mute the whole time. <laughs> Colin Hewing, knowing how to work Skype since 2016. <laughs> it's Valentine's. Okay, so uh, the one thing I forgot to mention last part was the throwback to Skyfall that actually was intended, where um, he's trying to teach swan about the gun and she says what if i shoot you by mistake and he says wouldn't be the first time that's obviously a reference to money penny in the first one i'm thinking uh but yeah uh we're past that part now moving on <laughs> yes i already talked half about the second base so i don't <laughs> have that I much to add on it <laughs> uh the, the Spectre base, yeah, I agree this could have been the climax, uh, although I still think there's a better way to do the climax they even had, but you could have had Bond here trying to escape, and all of a sudden he picks up, you know, a radio and he's communicating back for him. You have this happening at the exact same time as, you know, M and Money Penny and Q trying to stop oh, Denny. Yeah. Just have, have them both. communicating back and forth. Uh, that would have worked. But I think the real missed opportunity is even just in the escape part. I'll get to that in a second. But there's really nothing here that is wow. And I think that's where I'll kind of disagree with Ben. Even though I do agree that Christoph Waltz is amazing as Blofeld, he doesn't have very good material here. The scenes he has, I mean, there's some quirky dialogue in there. But I just kind of zone out every time he's talking. And I think it's just because the dialogue isn't as interesting. You know, that whole meteor thing was clearly an opportunity. or I don't even know if they intended it to be the same as the rat conversation in Skyfall, but it lasts 10 seconds in this movie. So I think it was kind of a missed opportunity where they could have done more with it. Then the scene that does work is the part with White Suicide. I think that's the one moment where everybody's character just... Uh, it, it finally comes across the way it's supposed to. Blofeld is evil for playing that. And Swan is really good because she has a real dramatic moment to play off of and not just this teen angst. Oh, my father, you know, he wasn't around but for me or whatever. In saying and, that, I do like Swan's character, how they actually have a motivation for her to be there. It's not a yeah. Christmas Jones's, why the hell is she here? Yeah. Like, throughout the film, there is a purpose for Swan. Yeah, and I think this scene really does show where the potential was for her. Uh, and I like the scene with White Suicide in the video and her turning away, and, and that's bonded his best, too. Um, but outside of that one scene, I can't think of anything that really works, even with Blofeld. Like, the torture scene, I like the torture part of it. Uh, I did notice on this time, the since I was able to have it subtitled, because my Blu-ray came with those, um, when Bond's just sort of waking up and you hear the conversation in the background, there are lines which... 
I think is what has led some people to come up with that ridiculous theory that everything from that point on was Bond dreaming because it's talking about, you know, that you, you wake up and it's not, you're experiencing something, but you're not actually there. It's dumb that people have come to that theory, but uh, it was kind of interesting to read that into it this time. The torture scene, again, the, the dialogue's interesting, but there's something about it that doesn't click. And I wish that Blofeld had better material. That's the one part that doesn't work with him. The other part is this whole escape here, and that's just that Blofeld just looks really dumb when you really try to analyze this movie. And Quantum, like you said, was the super secret organization. And I can accept the whole thing about, well, they just meet in a house and it's easy for Bond to get in because Blofeld wanted him to get in. But Blofeld didn't want his face to get blown off and his base to get destroyed and Bond to escape with Swan and kill half his men in 30 seconds. It's just way too easy of an escape and he didn't take the watch off him. Like, you're not going to think to do that. You're not going to be watching him as they're talking about, you know, the, the time and she's throwing this thing like... He's just not credible as the most evil villain because from this point on for the movie, everything he does just seems really dumb. And I think this escape could have been bigger even if it wasn't the climax. Another thing, we talked about how this location really worked is the fact that we had these cool little sites we saw. There was that tunnel they walked through that was really neat. There was the media room. Why not revisit those rooms on Bond's way out instead of just having him walk out a door after blowing up you know, a small torture lab? have him have a quick fight inside the media room as they try to stop him and then go through the tunnel and the glasses all shattering around him. I mean, I would have liked them to use this environment, even the escape, and it doesn't have to drag the movie on. I mean, cut the L'American sequence. You have some extra time there. Uh, but, I mean, it is all worth it for that explosion in the end, which is great, especially with the way they're just staring at it, like you said. And that's one thing that I have to say. I did defend, you know, the the building collapse at the beginning of the movie and say people can't always criticize it just because you know it's cgi but there is a clear difference because when you watch that even if it's not you know on a big screen even if it is just on a tv at home that explosion looks real because it was and i'm so glad they did something like that in the movie yeah it feels like there's so much build up and there was almost too much build up that by the time they got here they had to rush everything and it was just move on um which is a shame uh, but we head into the climax, which climax. again, I, climax. Um, I am disappointed it wasn't the Spectre base, but I don't hate this climax. So I don't love the climax, but it's not like oh, I can't watch this thing. Um, uh, so we start off at the Hildebrand safe house. Uh, good callback to people who can read, uh, Colin. Um, I listened to the episode. Hildebrand rarity. That could be. Uh, uh, it could also mean 007 in New York. Flittermouse um, or flutter. What is it called? Flutter-mouse. What is flitter, it? Flittermouse. Flittermouse. Had it the first time. Um, <laughs> Whatever. M, Money, Penny, and Tanner are all together. The crew um, and Bond's waiting there inside. Kind of a callback to him always being in Judy Dench's apartment. Um, and Bond gets uh, M updated on everything that's been happening, and then, like Colin said, now he's suddenly trusting M, which I guess understandable what they've been through. Um, one bit that irks me is Swan just says goodbye. This is so lazy on the behalf of the writers. Is all right. We know that Swan needs to get captured. How are we going to do it? I know we'll get her to just leave. Like, it's just like, uh, 
And I would have been fine if Swan left and that was the end. Like, it would be unique for a Bond girl mid-climax to just say, you know what, bye. Um, it's just, I don't know, lazy riding. Uh, their cars are heading down and they're attacked. Uh, M escapes. Bond is kidnapped. It's kind of back and forth, like, Blofeld does something stupid, gets his base blown up. Bond gets kidnapped really easily. Um, uh, Bond is at the old MI6 and he sees his name on the wall. How do I live? Um, as he goes in and follows through a pretty cool... Again, this is one where you got to suspend belief as to when Blofeld set all of this um, up. But it is a cool set of this like um, MI6 maze kind of thing going on here. like And the paintings... Uh, or the pictures, but not Dominic Green. Um, it, it's really the atmosphere and the location or the set is really cool. It's just kind of like, when did this ever happen? Um, so I like that. Um, M meets up with C and Q's there hacking the computer, which I love. And we learn that's where we learn that C made the alliance with Spectre. Um, and I love, everyone laughed in the cinema at this uh M stands for moron, um, and now we know what C stands for, which everyone roaring with laughter, but then they kind of ruined it by then actually having Mallory or M say what C stands for, careless. They didn't need that line. Leave it at now we know what C stands for, because that's funny, because, hey, M is referring to a naughty word, so we're all laughing. I, yeah, Kite. it's kind of like an... Yeah, it's kind of an unintentional joke where all the audience were laughing, but it wasn't even like the writer's intention. Sam Mendes um, was in that in the premiere going, why is everyone laughing? What? Laughing? Oh, shit, re-edit it. <laughs> yeah, start again. Um, so, yeah, that's a great line, but they really didn't need the careless bit. Um, Bond is in the MI6 maybe I've written here. Lashif, Silver, Vespa, White, M. No green. Um... And no Elvis either. Where no hashtag Mitchell. where's Elvis? Yeah, no Mitchell. Where's the big painting of Ronson? Um, we have the Blofeld reveal of the scar, which is just great. Christoph Waltz again is amazing. I love that they went to the effort of actually having the scar storyline. Uh, yeah, it doesn't bother me as much as you, but that would have been a nice little touch, I guess. Um, we have M and C fighting. I remember in our first ever preview, what M fighting? No, um, and you killed a man if you didn't know. Yeah, C falls to his death. Um, which I never get realized the parallels as well of C falls and then literally next scene Bond and M fall as well. Uh, Madeline fall. Um, although, fortunately for them, unlike C, there wasn't just a massive net there waiting to catch them. Um, I know, Colin, you kind of defended that. I still think that's just completely lazy. Sam Smith Um, reference, if I risk it all, could you break my fall? Yeah. Um, (laughs) if I risk it all... Stretching the the lyrics... Would you have a net for me to fall onto? Um, How do I fall into It makes sense that... Like, I don't know, Colin, you explained it. They're getting ready to demolish. It's dumb. It's lazy writing. They've been spending months prepping this building. They better have some precautions in case somebody falls when they're rigging this thing. It's It's getting demolished. Who cares? 
Yeah, who's well, gonna... it wasn't getting demolished when they were wiring the entire thing for who knows how many weeks. They yeah, need to protect bomb, those people. Bomb was in there inspecting. Oh yes, there's that net that I'll fall into um, <laughs> when I'm in here fighting with Blofeld. If that, if that net's other. not there, let's be honest, Bond and Swan are dead. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's splattermouse on the ground. <laughs> um... <laughs> So that annoys me only because there's other creative ways you could do something. Why did you? It just feels like this last kind of last few scenes they just got lazy and were against the clock, um, against the watch, and they just had all this laziness in there. So maybe I am in agreement, Colin. Maybe it does fall apart a bit in the second half of the film. Um, so C's dead. I still reckon he should have just been a subplot thing, and I guess the surveillance thing, if we want to briefly touch on it, it's, again, I don't hate it as a plot for, like, a lot of things, are, oh, this big evil genius organisation, and their plot is surveillance. Like, I don't mind that if it's part one of a trilogy, or part one of a two-part thing, and that's kind of the setup. I do agree that, oh, surely the biggest evil organisation in the world should be having a bigger plan, than that but i guess at the same time what was you only live twice like uh blowfield wanted to start a war between america and russia so he could suspect so it could rise in the shadows as a, a a power above them both in a way it's kind of the same thing with the surveillance they want to control everyone um i agree it should have been bigger and more over the top but i don't absolutely hate it if it's a setup like again this whole film is pretty much set up more than anything um so uh blofeld escapes uh he thinks bomb will be dead uh mi6 is just getting battered to hell like it already got blown up last time now it's getting blown up again um bond and swan escape in the boat and they're shooting at blofeld's chopper Bond manages to bring the chopper down um, by shooting at it onto the bridge. Um, Blofeld escapes from the chopper. His Bond is there on the bridge. He could kill Blofeld, and he doesn't, which I don't know why. Like, because it's his stepbrother, because he's found love. I don't... It... The reason, the real reason is they want Christoph Waltz in another film. Brosnan would but, have done it. <laughs> Lazenby would have Connery would have guy. done it. More, yeah, maybe. Moore would have done it. <laughs> Dalton. Oh, Dalton would have done it before he was out of the helicopter. <laughs> um, After he had a yeah, lovely the real romantic connection They want Christoph Waltz back and they couldn't find, they were lazy again and they just had a bond say, oh no, I'm not going to do it. It just, it's so unbond-like and it's so out of left field. Um, I, I I happily have Christoph Waltz back, but it annoys me this scene. And, oh, I'm going to walk off into the shadows with uh, this girl um, who said she literally, like, ten minutes ago, said she was just leaving. So what makes you think now, uh, ten minutes later, well, anything has changed? Um, so... Blofeld is arrested by M, and who knows what will happen. We've got to stay tuned for Bond 25. And that's kind of the end of the climax. And we have a brief little ending scene where Bond goes to visit Q at the Q lab to get the DB5. 
He leaves with Swan, assuming that he's quit his job. We, we never actually get confirmation. He could just be going on a holiday for real this time. Uh, people are saying this is a kind of good ending to Craig, which I see both. I could see this being an ending. Or I could also see this being the beginning of at least one more film. Uh, so it kind of works on two levels in that if this is it for Craig, then he's got a proper ending, and not many of the Bonds do have proper endings. So, yeah, he leaves with Swan. Apparently they're in love. I don't know. The main theme plays, and James Bond will return. That is the end of Spectre, Spectre, Spectre. Um, okay. Yep. Uh <laughs> The climax, pretty much. The climax. Uh, not a whole lot really to add. And uh, the whole crash bit where they drive out of the uh, thing that hits Bond's car in perfect timing. Um, clearly, yeah, they were five minutes later. Yeah, exactly. Like seriously, they thirty seconds. Very good with all that. Um, you know, I didn't really talk too much about the MI6 crew. I guess we talked about that in the reaction episode. I mean. Why does Q and Moneypenny have to be out in assignment? Uh, you know, like, great, modern Bond, fantastic, but doesn't float my boat. Give me Samantha Bond with a cigar any day of the week. Um, <laughs> that nobody other than Ben ever. That's a, that's a recurring theme on this show, Colin. Um, the The whole bit when he's hooded and, like, this is what I don't get is, like, Blofeld's waiting for Bond to rock up so he can do this whole big spiel and, you know, oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, how does he not know that these guards... Like, does he assume these guards are inept and Bond is going to kill them? Because, like, what if these guards were good? And they dra- do they have to drag him to Blofeld? Is that the whole plan? Like, does that then take away from the fact that Bond has to, like, look at the writing on the wall and writing down the- And you see all these things popping up and, like, ooh, sinister... Um, but I still think, like, I think Noah, or what we were saying in the reaction episode, when they pull the, the, uh, the mask off his head, like, it's Idris Elba, or, like, it's, it's Brosnan, or something <laughs> like that, like, <laughs> Bond's had a big surgery. Um, I also, the fact... That's never happened to the other fellow. <laughs> when he's, like, in the underground bits of MI6, like, um, like, the boats, I think it'd be so cool if he saw, like, the Q-boat from World of Thought Enough, or, like, you know, he ends up in, like, one of those boats, or something like that. Um, and just, I mean, I don't really have much to add on the whole M versus C. I mean, it's the big showdown we've all been waiting for, M versus C. Um, and M kills somebody great, Q sitting on his little geeky computer, like, fuck off, Ben, we're sure. Um, and <laughs> I love the bit when he walks out, Bond, and he shoots through the glass, and yeah, the whole, the reveal with the scar, it's great, but hashtag should have been bald. Um... And, yeah, the whole three... Again, like, once again, Bond's weakness. Like, what what happens in this whole sequence if, like, Blofeld didn't capture Swan and she drove off, like, and that was goodbye? Like, I think, Noah, you mentioned that in the preview, uh, the review episode, like, about, like, oh, you know, that would have been an interesting, unique way to end it for a Bond girl. And then, like, Bond rocks up and he's all like, oh, I've got three minutes, you've got to save nobody because I couldn't kidnap anyone. But, oh, well, I'm going to blow the building up anyway. Um, and, like, why does nobody in the middle of London at, like, 2am worried that this massive-ass building is getting demolished? There's a couple of people on the bridge going, oh, jolly hell, what was that? Um, like, you know, surely demolition. And a lot of people would have died in that 
falls, you know, debris landing on like homeless people and hookers working at like one o'clock in the morning in London. Like, um, no, you've been there. I'm sure that that happens in any other city. I've been on that bridge. Oh, well, um, three minutes throwback to Goldeneye. Is it like, I mean, fuck Bond's great, isn't he? He can run around a building in less than three minutes, find or untie her, jump on the magical net that just happens to be there. And then run after him and get in a boat and swim away. Well, drive away. Good on you. Um, how is he shooting a helicopter so far away? Like, that's a little pistol, isn't it? Like a Walter PPK? Like, are they that good, high-range velocity? Like, can a gun expert Texas in? Is that humanely possible? Um, I mean, I actually like this movie, and I'm really picking it apart, apparently. <laughs> but, um... um yeah, I mean, does nobody care that a guy's on a boat in the middle of the Thames shooting at a helicopter? Where's the police here? They only rock up to the boat, at the, the bridge at the end bit. Um, and yeah, him not killing Blofeld, I mean, that's just going to be the regretful bit when Blofeld kills Swan in the next movie. Spoiler alert. Um, and yeah, once again... And Idris Elba gets the revenge. <laughs> Idris Elba gets it. Um, and yeah, the, the end bit... Um, you know, driving off again, I agree with you. It can be the perfect ending for Craig, but again, it's still not final enough that it, you know, really, you know, if he returns, it's not going to be like a big thing. But, yeah, you know, if Idris Elba is rocking up with Swan in the next film, then, hey, that it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, uh, I've written here, no barrel at the end, yes. Um, and then <laughs> Noah and I are sitting around at the end just to see the credits. We're like, fuck, James Bond's not returning! And then finally it says right at the end. So, um, But I actually had that as a subtitle on my version of this Blu-ray, so that was at least something positive. Um, I have a lot of problems with this climax, and this is where I think the biggest difference, in my opinion, will come from when we first recap this, because I haven't heard it, but I'm pretty sure that I defended it a little bit more. Before I even get to the climax, we'll just talk really quickly about Blofeld. Um, I'm still of the opinion... I don't think I'm of the opinion that I like Blofeld being the adopted brother or whatever, or I guess surrogate brother, whatever you would call it. I just don't think it affects the movie that much. I think it's easy to ignore, and you don't really get caught up in it. I was having a bit more of a problem with the whole I controlled everything until I was able to watch this back-to-back with Skyfall. And honestly, I just feel like more than anything, you can view this movie and think that Blofeld just is taking credit for stuff. That every once in a while, he's getting his report. And they're like, yeah, well, we came across this guy, James Bond. He's like, oh, James again? Oh, that's interesting. Like, he doesn't even realize at the time. I don't think he's this puppet master controlling everything, especially with Silva. Because you don't control a guy like Silva. Which is why I think Skyfall still works so well on its own. Because this is more, I think, Blofeld just trying to get inside Bond's head and be like, hey, well, I was behind this, I was behind this, even though he really wasn't. Well, doesn't he, just he also say his parents as well? What about his parents? I swear he also says, "You've, I've killed everyone you know or something. I swear he brings up at one point his parents. Mm, I don't think so, no. Uh. I mean, if he did, then he... <laughs> I killed them so that I could be your brother, and then I killed myself well, that's so what, I didn't have that's to be. That's <laughs> what it supports your theory that he pretty much takes credit for anything yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. If, if that's the case, then I would like that, because I think that's just the way Blofeld is. And again, I think that, that that's the one thing that works at the end of this climax, is just him getting inside Bond's head. Like, I love him having the pictures everywhere and the arrows pointed. Um, the Here's where I start to rewrite the climax. I don't mind Swan getting kidnapped. Um, what I do mind is Bond getting kidnapped, only to escape, only to end up exactly where Swan was. I mean, you could have had this whole climax just get ready to take place, and then 
Swan gets kidnapped. Bond finds out, and he tells M and Money Penny Q, "You guys are going to have to take care of Denby and everything else. I got to go find Swan." And he shows up at this MI6 headquarters, knowing that's where it is. Like maybe a quick car chase, he shows up there. Another problem: we just saw a climax that took place all in pitch black night, and I don't think it helps having that here. I think that this could have been a daylight climax, and it works a little bit better because we saw pitch black already. Uh, I also think, just like with the Spectre crater base, this would work better if we saw some familiar locations. You know, just having it be this dilapidated building doesn't really look like anything. Um, Obviously, we didn't see as much of this building in the Daniel Craig's, but we're still familiar with it from the Pierce Brosnan's. You could have him walk past a padded door, or I don't think that M had the padded door, but anything, walk past, you know, uh, the... The, the opening where the, where the Q boat, the old Q lab and the boat flew out or anything, just something that we're familiar with in this building so it doesn't just look like this dilapidated structure. It's like the Climax of Casino Royale, this broken down building, except the building's not breaking down and that's the other problem. Bond Climaxes are almost always this giant set that's collapsing around him. Why not have a couple small explosions happening and this building's starting to collapse, and he has to escape before the big one. I mean, there were so many things they could have done to make this exciting. I'm just, I'm really down on this climax. I would rank it probably among some of the weakest climaxes now after seeing this several times. And I, I think that you too quickly forget about Swan even being kidnapped because they make it so much about the showdown between Bond and Blofeld. And, and it is a good moment where he has the reveal, he's shooting him through the glass, and then there's the reveal of the scar. But again, there's just something in the material that doesn't work, and I wish that we had something better here. Um, yeah, the Denby fight with M, again, I, I kind of liked it when I first saw it. Now it's just forgettable. It's it's sort of like this climax. You're just like, yeah, you know, I can fast forward past this part, and it's not really going to matter to me. Um, I don't mind Denby as a character as much on after several rewatches. I think originally I was pretty bored by him. Now I like the idea, especially since I picked up when you said, Noah, that it is more that Denby is taking, this is an opportunity to further his career. You know, how are you going to become the head of all intelligence for all these different nations? Well, let's use Spectre so that they have the need for this. And that's kind of the way I view him, that he's just going along with this because it's going to help him in his job. But, I mean, overall, the climax is a big disappointment. Um, the final scene is good, but again, I think it could have been better. I think the real joke is having one of two things. You do a real throwback ending and you have Q walk into his lab and he finds Bond in the back of the car sleeping with Madeline. That's a Bond ending. That's like the whole keeping the British end up ending. If you don't want to go that ridiculous, don't have Bond come in and say, hey, I have another favor or whatever, and then drive off in the car. Have it like the first scene in the movie with the DB10 have Q walk into his lab and he opens the door and that car is gone and you see Bond stole this too. I mean, there are just better ways to do this entire climax. Alright. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know if I'd put it as one of the worst because I still find it exciting and enjoyable but there are a lot of issues and it should have been the Spectre base it's just a Craig and there's film. no action Craig films <laughs> there's just no action here weak weak climaxes Craig films yeah and that's the thing no, is... I mean I'll disagree with that because I think that the climaxes for the previous three were all pretty exciting you know they may have been yes, a step down locations 
No, even Quantum had some, you know, the the, the set right. was great. Well, this is a Craig Decade discussion, I think. Um, let's move on, because that's the end. James Bond will return. Who knows what he will look like or what colour his skin will be, but James Bond will return in Bond 25, Flittermouse. Uh, so let's move on to our endings, and let's get the stupid idiot out of the way. Roll the sound. <laughs> Box office. <laughs> And Peter Travers, he is a stupid idiot. But don't read his stuff. Hey. I am not sad that this will be the last time we hear from this bloke well, to our interview with him. Technically, we finished up with him on Skyfall because he hasn't ranked this, but he did do a review on this. And I think he's lost. I his thought job. he was fired. Well, I think he's lost his job since this. But um, look, I'm not after gonna, this. I'm not going to read this, this whole it. review out. He gave it um, three and a half stars out of four. Apparently, Rolling Stone only do four stars. Um, mm. And just a couple of lines here um, that he says. Uh, non-freaks still have Daniel Craig to feast on. In a photo finish with Sean Connery as the best of the six movie Bonds, Craig comes out blazing. Um, da, 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 the 25th movie about the British... 25th movie? Is he counting Never <laughs> Say Never Again? I'm guessing he's just looking at his notes and he's added Never Say Never Again, so he's saying it's the 25th. Good on you, Peter. You're he's such a respectable source. Um, the 25th movie about British MI6 agent with a license to kill is party time for Bond fans. A fierce, funny, gorgeously produced Valentine to longest-running franchise in movies. Bond freaks will be orgasmic, playing spot Wait, the reference... Valentine? How appropriate. <laughs> the reference... <laughs> So the series began in 1962 with Dr. No. So, yeah, so. read it. Google Peter Travers. Whatever. I'm not giving you a link oh, on our no. website. Uh, just quickly, just, the... Bo- just before, hold on, Ben. Yes, sorry, sorry, yes, that, yes. I think that I found a new stupid idiot to replace, replace Peter Travers. I'm sorry to say that it looks like he's from Australia. When I pull up IMDb, the review on here is from a guy named... Somebody named Harold five eight six two six seven four five. Oh, he's a famous oh, him. He's very famous. He's great. He's on all the TV shows. Love him in that Well, this thing. is what... I just found this funny, especially Ben will like this. This is what he said. He gave it oh. 1 out of 10, and he said, This is the worst Bond movie ever, filled with emotionless characters that I couldn't care less about. The pace of the film after a predictably exciting start is slow and boring. Unlike his fellow actors, Ben Wishaw as Q manages to portray the most, the only believable human in this whole fake production. <laughs> Why could James Bond have been given a touch of Q's wit, humor, or vulnerability? You can't even watch that the fucking film. What a tosser. Ben Wishaw wrote them. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ben Wishaw is Harold five eight six two six seven four five. Um, box office quickly. Well, it broke a trend of every single James Bond film since Goldeneye becoming the highest ranking James Bond film of all time. Uh, as of right now, it has only made one hundred ninety nine million eight hundred eighty five thousand seven hundred fourteen dollars, putting it about one hundred four million dollars behind Skyfall. It is the second highest in the history of the Bond franchise. But yes, uh, Skyfall, I think, will be up there for quite some time. If you adjust it for inflation, it is 14th, just above Octopussy and just below Quantum of Solace. And we should really point out that this is the most expensive James Bond film ever made. It has a rumoured production uh, cost of $245 million, twice the budget of Casino Royale. And for statistic-minded people, it is the ninth most expensive film ever made, just behind Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince and The Hobbit Battle of the five armies and just ahead of avatar there you go all right let's move on to one that i'm kind of interested in uh mr, mr. Kiss, kiss, clicky mouse uh, mr. mr peter kiss. travers <laughs> no 
we're never hearing from him ever again on this show. <laughs> Until um, Flittermouse. Uh... So let's have a look at where are my notes. So hang on, that was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang that I heard, wasn't it? I think we all heard that. (laughs) Well, it wasn't Mr. Ranking. (laughs) Considering you cued the music, I I hope it was. Uh, Bon Jones Bond 1. Yes. Yeah. Martini 1. Yes. Kiss 2. Yes. Yep. And I think I've got the vague one, but I would not be surprised if I was wrong, because I do think there was a few here and there I missed just of, was that a kill or was that in a car? So I think we may have close numbers, but I'm happy to accept mine might be wrong. Uh, But for kills, it's up there. I've got 21 kills. Oh, Oh, I have 27. I have 29. As I said, I did probably miss a few in a car. I have, well, I will there. say, I have 29 or 31, because the one that I'm <laughs> automatically... I put this as Not a main. 31. No, because, I mean, the guys that... When, when he blows up uh, Blofeld, there's two guards at the door. I was like, well, I assume they don't die if Blofeld doesn't die. So I was like, a maybe. Yeah. But the, the ones that I think I'll be lost, and this, I guess, where Colin and I will get confused on, it's just the amount of people who were in cars and stuff. So... Um, the ones I'm that are twenty-seven. Well, the ones that I was a bit iffy on. So, um, the the helicopter at the end. I think there were three in that that died. Were there? Well, no, I wouldn't count them because uh, if you're yeah, talking the very Blofeld end, I mean, Blofeld survives. I would assume the other two do. But as he well. kind of pushes that guy out of the way when he's going through the door, and he looks pretty dead. So that's why I well, kind of technically it's about three million people because the entire Spectre base blew up. And the, <laughs> and the other one that I think I was a bit iffy on were the cars in the helicopter, the plane bit. Like there was a car. I missed that... a few. There. I mean, I was unsure of that. So I would say since neither of us really seem confident on the scenes in question, we just go in the middle and say twenty-eight because I. I think Noah missed almost everything. <laughs> I'd be happy with that. Definitely not 21. 28. There's a lot more than 21. So 28, we're happy with that. All right, yes. let me do some quick maths, and that should give us a grand total of 300. Oh, tell us that. What? I thought we are going to leave the big reveal for our final episode, but go on. 345, apparently, we're up to, which I think I saw something recently which said it was around about the 350 mark. So I think we've done all right there. So Yeah, yeah this yeah. list is definitely not going to be the same as other people's. No. It's our list because there's a lot of questionable ones, but I think we did so pretty good. So 345, good. apparently, is our final count, at least for the next film, until Idris comes about and kills a few Unless more people. Unless we get people... Uh, messaging as in <laughs> about so, the extra so. martini. Uh, he's bedded fifty nine women. You go, James. Um, he's drunk twenty three martinis, and he said his name twenty six times. All right. Um, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Peter Travers. Uh, I know we do rankings, but there's something. Oh, hold oh, on! It's the whole. <laughs> The hole with the classic scenes. Your segment, bucko. Um, uh, I think we've said one. The boardroom. Yeah, well, look, we're not yeah. even debating. We've only got two in. here to go here, so we, we only... let's not even discuss that. Um, I think the torture scene. It's very iconic uh, for this film. I, I I I would go with even if not the whole pre-title sequence, I would go with either the helicopter fight or that opening shot. Yeah, I'd agree that the pre-title... I'll go with that if there. we have the torture scene. Pre-title... Well... I mean, I see the, the torture scene and it's a big... The pre-title scene is really two. So what, which part of the pre-title sequence are we going for? 
the Asa is a whole thing. Day like that, Asa is a whole thing. Okay, we could go with the whole thing. I think just the opening shot alone mixed with a helicopter fight. I I would, you know. Yeah, I would honestly say, I mean, I have quite a few I pick over the torture scene. I'd pick Bond's scene with with Lucia as one. I would pick the train fight definitely as another one. Mm. The car chase I'd even put up there. Not, mm. but I, mean, I would I would push for the train fight over anything. I would mm. go car chase over train fight and torture. I would go train fight over car chase, but I would go torture. So are we all just that <laughs> train fight in the middle is by default the winner. Uh, that's... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so keen on all this. I think kite dancing in a hurricane. Uh, I would be happy one. with the Mister White meeting. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I was only joking, but whatever. I mean, I, I <laughs> the train fight better, but I'd go with the Mister White one as well. So can we There's put, some good Hall of Fame choices. Can we just put the trailer? In here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Noah's jizzgasm for the thing. So what? What I put Mister White meeting is that what I call it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Mister White right. death. Mr. White meeting slash... Or kite dancing in a hurricane. Spectre boardroom meeting. You could put kite dancing in a hurricane scene. Kite dancing in a hurricane scene. All right. All right. All right. There we go. And we've got one more left. Play the sound. Rankings, baby. I'm actually very fascinated about this one, and I still don't know my... I've got a number, but I'm regretting it. I'm thinking, is it too high? But I... All right, just to summarize quickly, I enjoy this film. It it always goes by really fast. I think they did a lot of good... um, It maybe didn't live up to the height that Skyfall lived up to, but certainly better than Quantum of Solace. It falls apart. They did a lot of things wrong that shouldn't have been in the climax. Blofeld should have been a bit more over the top with a bit more to do and not being Bond's uh, brother. The Madeline Swan love stuff is a bit out of place. Some of the action falls flat. But really, there is a lot to love in this film. It's Craig's best performance. Um, and if this is the beginning of multiple films featuring this Blofeld, then I think it, people will look back on this a lot better. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's not the best Bond film. It's a bit hokey in some places. Uh, the script was a bit all over the shop, and you can read like the behind-the-scenes, the Sony leaks, uh, and look back on it now and see that they were a bit unsure about the script, even up until filming. Like It wasn't something they were overly confident in. Um, yeah, I kind of wish I went last because I don't know how this is going to go and we are going to have an episode where we maybe change our options. I feel like it's still too early to rank Spectre, even though it's been, what, four months or so? Um, five months even. But I'm just going to say, at this point, I'm going to put it in 11th place. It's just below Skyfall, just above Moonraker. Um I couldn't put it in the top 10, I don't think. It does have just that much wrong with it to make it a non-top 10. But I really enjoy this film. I think it is a good Bond film. Um, So maybe over time it will fall to the kind of lower middle, but it will never be a bottom five for me, as it will never be a top five. It's just 
we're going to get those middle-of-the-range Bond films. It's going to happen. Bond's going to be around for the next 50 years, and we're going to have some of the best ones, the worst, and we're going to have the middle ones, and it's a middle one. Just above Moonraker, you twit. It's like about a million spots above Moonraker, you fool. Um... I just, I, I won't drag this out, bring back Colin reference. I think this is, I mean, it just grows in me. Every time I watch it, there's just something about this film that I just love so much. And, and it kind of just comes down to the fact that, yeah, there are problems with it. But, I mean, fuck, I've got to die another day at six, so you can't um, judge me on my opinions. But, like, I mean... We can, we do. Like, again, a lot of my rankings come down to if I put this film in on a Saturday night, am I going to enjoy it not look at my watch every five minutes going, oh, fuck, how long has this got to go? And just every time I watch it, I just love it. So, I mean, it all came down to the fact, and I talked this up, I think, in Skyfall and some of the other ones that I'm going to put Spectre quite high. Um, it's not top five for me, but I'm going to put it just above Skyfall and just below Die Another Day. I'm putting it Ooh, seventh. Above Skyfall. Above yeah. Skyfall. Uh, so, sorry, you have it uh, above Skyfall or below Skyfall? I have it Which just one? above Skyfall, and my argument for that will be is that it is more classic Bond than Skyfall, and it brings so many of these elements, and as Noah said, it's Craig's best performance. I finally feel that finally he's James Bond, and I think that kind of just wins it just over Skyfall. But just the minutest detail is why I put it above hmm. Skyfall. All right, um... <laughs> We've said enough about dying another day. I just, I just happened to notice that you have from Rush with Love is number fifteen now on your list. So uh, I guess let's just <laughs> what? Let's how did that happen? <laughs> Who are uh, you? I'm gonna quickly, I'm gonna quickly do this here because I think it's. I know exactly. There's three that I'll probably end up flipping them around later on, but it's very clearly not as strong as my top eleven, which really is capped at the end by Doctor No. Uh, I'm gonna put it right in between uh two that i think my opinion could change on here i will rank it higher than tomorrow never dies but at this point lower than octopussy even though when this podcast started i originally had it at number 12 higher than octopussy i just think octopussy was more enjoyable from start to finish even though the strong moments in this movie are stronger throughout Uh, but for now i'll put this as 13 uh so below octopussy and above tomorrow never dies there we go. Right, so a bit of a mix, but for the most part, we're all kind of in the same area where it, it's not top, but it's certainly not bottom. Um, all right. So that's that. Spectre. Spectre, Spectre. And also the last of the 007 main film recaps. Ooh, hooray. <laughs> um, yeah, if we're still around, we're probably going to cancel it after this one. Um, but Spectre, etc. only halfway through or something like that um so it, it's been fun we're still at the craig decade and then we're going to do another wrap-up one that we're planning i think uh to wrap up the whole of the rewatch but we've got a lot planned and maybe we'll talk about it that in that episode rather than right now but this isn't the end this is this is not the end um it's the end of an era of 007 but not the end forever um, so it's been super fun talking about the recaps. We'll talk about some of our favorite moments later on. Um, and I feel like we could probably do yet another episode on Spectre. I feel like there's so much to talk about that we barely got into after five or so episodes of it. Um, so, yeah, we're going to need something to pass the next three years on. But that's it. Um, it's It's been fun. And I will say that my name is Noah and... Oh, the tribe has spoken. <laughs> Download Survivor Oz via SurvivorOz.com 
Uh, my name is Ben, and cuckoo. Oh, that and was cool. <laughs> my name is Colin, and if nothing else, now you know how to spend a lonely Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, and we'll speak to you next time on the train. So, um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Just I'm, shut up, I'm Noah. Very, end it. End it. I'm, very, I'm very sad. This is the end. The writing's on the wall, Noah. The writing's on the wall. How will I live without doing James Bond film recaps? We'll speak to you next week when we do another recap of something. Bye. He's everywhere. Everywhere. Sitting at your desk is kissing your lover. He's eating supper with your family. <laughs> I suppose we should call you C now. No, no. Max, please. No, I think I'll call you C. C. As you wish. If you've come for the car, I parked it at the bottom of the Tiber. Well, not to worry, 007. It was only a three million pound prototype. Now, you may feel a small... Christ! Quick. What if I shoot you by mistake? Only the first time. Your birthday? No, sir. That was last week. Child making hopes. I believe I said bring it back in one piece, not bring back one piece. <laughs> anyway. You're a kite dancing in a hurricane. Welcome, James. It's been a long time. And finally, here we are. What took you so long? If you don't leave now, we'll die together. I can think of worse ways to go. Who was that? No, it wasn't. It's just a friend. At this time of night? It's called life, James. You should try it sometime. This organization. Do you know what it's called? Spectre. Spectre. Its name is Spectre. Spectre. New York, New York. What is your occupation? Well, that's not the sort of thing that looks good for. And why so? Kill people. Can I get you something, sir? Welcome up to Shaking hands to I'm sorry, we don't serve our I'm really starting to love this place. But then, isn't that what M stands for? Moron. And now we know what C stands for. Cocky little bastard. Here you are, sir. One prolific digestive enzyme shake. Do me a favor, will you? Bring that down the toilet. Cut out the middle man. I came here to kill you. And I thought you came here to die. Well, it's all a matter of perspective. Spectre. Spectre, 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 Spectre. It was all me, James. It's always been me, the author of all your pain. Nothing can be as painful as listening to you talk. You're a hard man to kill, Blueprint. Thank you, Cuckoo. Most odd.